the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Dan, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. Kramer for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. They won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Celebration time in Chicago, Dadaguar. How are you, my friend? Hey, I got a bear their souls anecdote for you to start it off before we get into the seriousness of Steve McMichael making the Hall of Fame or Devin Hester. So I kept listening to a radio ad or maybe it's on TV talking about the Venus pubic hair shaver. It's like a ladies, uh, specific ladies razor. And I thought, oh man, if this is really good for the lady, like to shave their lips and stuff, like, I mean, it could, it, it would be okay for my balls, right? You know? So I buy this razor in a pickup order, so I don't have to look anybody in the eyes or anything. So it's like 15 bucks. I, I do my business, man, and I get in the shower, and the water hits my dick, and I'm like, oh, God damn, that burns. I get out. I manage that razor. I cut the head of my fucking dick. What? I, I'm on the injured list. I'm on the disabled list. The, the side of my penis was bleeding for a few minutes. I thought, if this doesn't stop bleeding, I'm going to the doctor with a bloody cock. Oh, but yeah, that... I managed yeah. to cut somehow. I don't. I didn't even feel it when it happened. But this razor, I guess I was going up the back of my dick and cut the side of the fucking head. I mean, it's Holy not. Shit. It's not like a horrible cut, but it's on my dick, so it makes me feel like it's a hundred times worse because it's on my dick. Now let me ask you: Can you take a picture of it? Uh, not that I want to see it, but no, Mr. No, I don't want to. Mr. Want to do Shorty that. wants to see it. So <laughs> now it's kind of like I, I kept thinking of like Pacino, a Scarface. Like, am I going to be Scar Dick from now on? You know, like <laughs> is it going to be a scar? Literally, like it's <laughs> it's, it's it's virtually healed now. But then I started thinking like a boxer. <laughs> Think about like George Foreman got, uh, you know. He got busted open before the fight with Ali, right? And then when they finally do fight during sparring, then one of those cuts reopened that that he got, you know, because there was a big delay in that fight, like a couple of weeks. I don't want to be fucking, and all of a sudden that cut opens. 
Oh, shit. <laughs> like, like, oh, fuck. So I, got, I don't know how long I'm supposed to be on the, the inactive list here, but my dick, it, it, it's done for a little bit. It's it's on the disabled list. Well, uh, you should buy some vitamin E oil and then spread it on that area because it might help with the re recovery period. Uh, vitamin I, E, okay. Vitamin E oil. The reason I say that is because when I was – about I think I was 14 or 15. It was before I had sex for the first time. I'm jerking off, and I noticed that I got like a a, a big, not big, but uh, like an acne on the head of my dick. Oh, and that's I'm frightening. Like, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it was like one of those little what they call tags that you get on your skin. You know, it was on the top. The tip of my dick and so i go into a panic not because i thought i was gonna die or anything but that i'm thinking I'm no gonna... woman's gonna want to blow me now because exactly exactly <laughs> i'm desperately trying to break my virginity and i'm thinking some woman's gonna take a look at my dick and think it's the elephant man and run away yeah that's why i was like man it's gonna what if i have like a scar now like ah let's, let's make sure we do this in the dark i guess it's funny that you would say that, though, because you, when you said, you know, uh, a shaver for women's pubic hair, I immediately thought, well, you love pubic hair. Why would you On women, no, like, not on me. Like, I got to keep my shit, like, <laughs> yeah. So I just thought, well, if it's, if it's really, if they're going to shave, like, their lips and stuff, then it's going to work on me, too, because that's got to be even more careful. Yeah. You don't want to cut that, but man, that fucking razor was sharp, Jack. <laughs> yeah, what's the uh, the man bulk thing? We they we had them as a sponsor for. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. The uh, we'll see. Mask I didn't. I didn't like putting that on my balls. I felt like it was snagging and stuff. But even so, my shitbag cousin DJ stole that. <laughs> he stole the man. What was it called again? Manscape. Manscaped. He stole the manscaper you gave me. He literally stole the man. There's nothing this man can't or wouldn't steal. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what uh, Dan is referring to, he had a house guest for uh, several months, and unfortunately, he wiped them out with a lot of his Dan's valuables. So, uh, including the pubic hair shears. <laughs> <laughs> First off, even if I was like you know a thief. You know, this ideally the pubic hair stuff's been on my pubic hair. Why would you want another man's pubic hair razor? Oh shit. Like, God damn, keep your pubic hair razor to yeah. yourself. It's like stealing a man's toothbrush. What the yeah, fuck? Exactly. I, yeah, but <laughs> I figured I should start the show out with burying my soul. So I did. Well, there you go. Great job. Uh it's to teach too. She says it's great to walk into the chat room here. Danny talking about his balls. <laughs> Johnny said they're going to be full now. I can't. I can't relieve myself for a while. There you go. Uh, Tooch is scheduled to join us in about 90 minutes or less uh, for his Bear State of Affairs, our show. We weren't on on Tuesday because uh, Dan was at an event. He'll tell us about that here shortly. But uh, So we decided to have a show tonight, and then lo and behold, we hear the news about Devin Hester, and so we wanted to talk Super Bowl. So those will be the primary subjects that we're going to talk about tonight, Super Bowl, um, How about Cliff Kingsbury to Washington? What's that mean for JF1? Exactly. So there'll be other topics that will pop up, but primarily we'll be talking about Dan Stick and uh, <laughs> Super Bowl and Hall of Fame. My poor dick. 
Well, the baseball doesn't call it the disabled list anymore, right? <laughs> no. Isn't it like the injured list now? Is that yeah, what they the call it? In injured list. Yes. I'm on the injured list. <laughs> I I am on the injured list. Yeah. So how about the news that Cliff Kingsbury is going to Washington? And he, uh, of course, worked with Caleb Williams at USC. And he had, you know, he, he, there's a lot of speculation running around that the Bears might drop the two. You're not going to get much if you go down to two. It's not the, the like Cam Anders are going to not going to trade you three first round draft picks, which is what you could potentially get for Caleb Williams if you go down to 10, 11, 12, something. Maybe like you that. get a one, though. Maybe you get two one, like they're one this year and they're one next year. Yeah, I think you could do that. I think you could definitely do that. Uh, that team has a lot of draft capital this year. Uh, so you could potentially get another draft pick from this for this year and a one next year, plus, of course, the second overall pick. I wouldn't mind doing that. J2K is in the house. Good evening, brother. Um, There's so many people that will be mad at us, you know, because it's suddenly such a divisive topic. If, you, if you're like, oh, we want to keep Justin Fields, I mean, people get really, really hostile, like it's politics now. Yep. Yep. So, absolutely. but I am hoping that we keep Justin Fields. But then again, maybe this time next year, I'm telling you that I love Caleb Williams. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to root for whoever the the Bears quarterback is, though. Right. Well, uh, and it it could be Jaden Daniels, who is rising up draft ball, ball boards and might be bypassing Drake May as the second overall quarterback. And there's even a minority of people saying that Jaden Daniels, after he performs at the Combine, could end up being the first overall pick. I doubt that highly, but it's a possibility. The Bears do have three intriguing quarterback rookie quarterbacks to consider, but if you ask DJ Moore... DJ Moore wants Justin back. He's if you ask me. Yeah, we know. You're if you ask Nomad. <laughs> I know Nomad's a JF. Shout out to Nomad. I know he's a, a Justin Fields guy too. Big, big, big time he is. And, you know, I, I, I am, I, I, as much as I like some of these other quarterbacks, and ordinarily I would say draft one of these guys, I think that the best strategic move is to get a haul of draft picks and continue to build around your quarterback, Justin Fields. He's just scratching the surface of what he could potentially be. It's a risky move. And Ryan Poles would be basically gambling his future with the Chicago Bears if it doesn't work. Did and Caleb and Jaden Daniels and Drake may go on to have good NFL careers. Did you see Schefter tweeted? I think it was early this week. It may have been late last week, but Adam Schefter said that the bears could possibly get a number one for fields. He did say that, but uh, there was a lot of caveats to there, but I, I could, I could see that happening. like a low number one draft pick. I could definitely see that happening. I mean, I think that one of the things that's going to happen regarding Justin Fields is that his trade value could potentially go up as it gets closer and closer to the draft. Now, um, that remains to be seen. But one of the one of the things I wanted to share with you and a bunch of others, uh, Frank Robles on Twitter posted this video of Lincoln Riley. He was talking on, I think it was that uh, Pat McAfee show. Oh, you, ever seen that? you ever seen that show? Yeah, because of Rogers, unfortunately. <laughs> well, Lincoln Riley, I, I the way I read this was the same way uh, Robles read it on uh, Twitter, and he got some shit from one guy in particular, but 
Take a listen to this and tell me what you think. You've been able to coach a lot of successful quarterbacks who have made the jump, both athletic quarterbacks, pocket passers, and everything. He'll be able to continue to play the way he plays at the NFL, you think? Uh, I think his game will have to adapt um, because people, and we saw this some even this year, like people are going to try to defend him differently. You know, and you guys know, like, you know, everybody's going to try to get the book on what works against you, and they're going to continue to try different things. And so as a quarterback, you've got to learn to find different ways to win, different ways to move the football and be and be productive. And so he'll have to adapt because there'll be some people that'll want to keep him in the pocket, uh, that'll want to you know make him win the game from that from that uh, perspective. He physically certainly can do it, and and that'll just be part of his climb. And again, I think that's why it's so important. A guy like this has got to get in the right situation where he's developed. He's got the right people around him so that he can continue. Jesus. Sounds like Justin Fields situation, right? Yeah. First off, I was thinking if Fields is talking to his agent right now, he's like, okay, if they're going to ship me out, you better not trade me to the Raiders. I'm not working with Lou Getze ever again. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that didn't sound like a ringing endorsement, right? It didn't sound like he was like, oh, my player, yeah, I coached him for... He's going to be great. Like, it felt like he was like, I, I don't know if this guy's going to be good in the pros at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he did at other points in the interview, did talk about all of his strengths. He's, you know, one of a kind player, you know, should have a great NFL career and so forth. But there is this caveat where it a lot depends with these quarterbacks, the situation that they're in. Do they have a good coach? Do they have good complementary players? You know, and, and the perfect example might be Brock Pat Purdy. Mahomes. Brock Purdy is another perfect example. Yeah, Brock Absolutely. Purdy, if you told me he threw four picks on Sunday, I'd be like, oh, I see it. I believe it. Mm-hmm. But that motherfucker could be MVP Sunday too because he's got great players around him, like you were saying. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I've been reading a little bit about Brock Purdy's performance against top 10 defenses. It's not very good. And so this could be a blowout game. And then the other thing that I am concerned about on Sunday for the 49ers is – they got in this week. The Chiefs have been there for several more days, and I think that's the approach. You should get – when if you're going to Europe or you're going to the Super Bowl, you should get the days before the other team so you can get acclimated to the, whatever it is, the time zone, the, the, or the media environment, whatever the fuck it is. Give the players time. I think – it's possible we might see a blowout because and Purdy Sanford- or uh, or the the the, uh, t- the time difference. And San Francisco had a fire alarm at their building that woke them up in the middle of the night, either last night or the night before. Oh, look at that! Yeah, it was like it's like two a.m. and their fucking alarm won't go off. Uh-huh. The fire alarm wherever they were staying. I don't know, man. I uh, we're going to talk more about Super Bowl closer to the time where uh, where Tuch is here. I want to stay on the topic of Justin Fields and Caleb Williams and that a little bit more. And those of you in the chat room, share your thoughts about uh, uh, Caleb Williams. Stephen, me, your buddy, man, says <laughs> I had no problems with Stephen me until he decided he hated me because I liked Fields. But okay. <laughs> Kelly Williams is Brady mixed with Mahomes with the cherry on top. CW number 13, Bears Salvation. See ya, Justin. Good luck in Atlanta. Bye-bye. You want to respond to that at all? I mean, he could end up being correct. I mean, maybe the Bears trade him and then suddenly I'm rooting for Caleb Williams or one of the other guys. But as of right now, I'm still hoping that it's Justin Fields. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean that as a jab to anybody. It's just my fandom of Justin Fields. 
Yeah, you know, and I, 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 Stephen, and I always appreciate you being in the chat. You're a funny guy, and and love uh, your comments and stuff. But I am always astounded by how some Bears fans give up on certain players, and they don't take into full context the situation that they're in. I truly believe Jay Cutler could have got us to the Super Bowl had he been surrounded by a better offensive line for those early years that he was here and more offensive weapons. I And and I, I believe the same thing with Justin. He's a young quarterback. He's learning. And if you see his progression, don't look at the stats. You got to look at the tape and how he's developing uh, as a quarterback. He's getting better. And so why not get him Marvin Harrison Jr.? And why not improve the offensive line? And why not get a speedy running back? And why not, you know, build up that offense and then have that strong defense to give him half fields? I think that he could be could lead the bears to the playoffs as early as 2024 i really believe yeah that. and if you think about it and and look i hate to say this because i don't want to to rip on the bears you know i'm, I'm a bears fan right sure. all right so ditka's last year is 1992 look mm -hmm. at the amount of times the bears have made the playoffs just real quickly again 94 01 05 06 10 18 20 seven times since mike ditka left we made the playoffs I mean, so it's not like Justin Fields is going to a team that has this lineage of success. I know the Bears overall are, the, are an historic team, the historic team, and the, the charter franchise. But in the last 30 years, it hasn't been consistent in winning. So it's yeah. not like you drop Fields off into a team like, like Kansas City, for example, that has gone going to their fourth Super Bowl in like the last six years, and suddenly they can't win because of Fields. You put him on a team that hasn't won at all, predominantly, mm -hmm. with the exception of a team here or there. So, and and he was twenty four. He was twenty fucking four. I mean, God, he's only going to get better. I I I know he's going to get better. Uh, how much better? We'll, we'll find out. And Shane Waldron, the guy to unlock that. We'll find out. I, I can't say for sure. Jordan Silvera has a, a thought for you. Dan, I'm not trolling you. I know we often don't see eye to eye. Do you actually feel the Bears should be seen as a serious organization as they are presently constituted? Hey, our team president, I mean, you can say what you want. Maybe he brings up God too much. Maybe he talks a little bit about Dick Vermeil too much. I like him. I like Mr. Warren, and I feel like... We're in a lot better shape with with, with he in, in control versus uh, Sweaty Teddy. I, I like McCaskey. I know a lot of people don't. I know George wants to win. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Ryan Pauls is going to be the greatest GM he may be. He turned out to be like last year's trade. Everyone is saying, what a great deal uh, for the one that eventually got us. We kept Justin, but we traded down and got DJ Moore. Uh, he's been lauded for some picks. and. He could end up being a, a really solid GM. But as of right now, from where we are in February of 2024, I think the organization on paper looks good with, with Warren and Poles. And, you know, you have that end-of-the-year presser, and George didn't even have to talk. That's Thank progress. <laughs> That's progress. Isn't that progress that he's not having to get up there and say shit like, look, I don't know why we're staying with Matt Nagy, but we just are. <laughs> I just, I don't know why, but we're going to. <laughs> you didn't have to say that. I mean, everyone was speaking with conviction, whether it ends up being, you know, like uh, Phil, when he was like, uh, 
you know, oh, we're going to win multiple championships in like 2013. Yeah, I mean, that ended up looking like ridiculous now. You hire Mark Tressman when you're going to win multiple championships. But, I mean, right now they're saying the right things. Am, am I wrong? Am I Have I just bought into some narrative that's I'm being brainwashed? Yeah, yeah, and Jordan says he appreciates that perspective. Thank you, Jordan. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Here's, I don't think that you're wrong, but I, I think you and I do have a certain sickness, <laughs> and that is we love the Bears so much that we sometimes, you know, give them a little bit too much credit. I mean, I have more hope that the Bears are going to be in the playoffs than I have evidence <laughs> that they're going to right. get there. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I'm a lot like you. Sometimes, you know, like, like two seasons ago, oh, yeah. When when Eberflus's <laughs> first season, you thought, "Why not us? Why can't we make the playoffs?" I was a little bit more. We beat know, New England on the road, you know, like, yeah. "Hey, Monday Night Football." New England was still kind of New England then, and yes, yeah. we we can run the table, but you yeah, know, then well, we traded everybody away. Exactly, exactly. And then last season, I had hope. I thought, "Hey, we could maybe win 13, 14 games. Look at this fucking schedule. We could win here, 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 here." Time to thirteen. I went on Bears Country Productions and told them we're going to be thirteen and four. What an idiot I look like. And I, how many times have the Bears made me look like an idiot? And it's because I love the team. Uh, but Jordan is right. There has been lots of issues with management, but we are hopeful that Kevin Warren is going to correct them. Now, the one big thing, then is the, the uh, Matt Eberflus situation. You know, I don't know. He maybe should have told Poles, listen, I love what you're doing here, but I think you made a mistake with the head coach. You need to change him. I know we owe him, what, five, six, seven season, years, but George has approved me making this decision. I think you got to fire him. What do you think about Eberflus, and do you think that was an organizational mistake to bring him back for year three? Uh, like you just said, I'm going to buy in, even if it's irrational to buy in. I mean, Eberflus just finished year two. They won seven games. They could have won 11, possibly 12. If you, know, you could say that's coaching that you had these fourth quarter meltdowns. I was at two of those games with the Broncos 28 to seven lead in the second half, that Browns game. So I was at a couple of these meltdowns myself, but at the end of the day, the players are also playing. Eberflus is uh, maybe putting him in bad situations in certain calls. But for the most part, he, he still can't make the tackle. Right. He can't stop the receiver from dropping the pass. Mm -hmm. Like, see that uh, the Lions game in, in Detroit. Tyler Scott, catch the ball. That's another win. We sweep the Lions then. You know? So, I was, you know, like everybody else was like, oh, man, it'd be great to get a big-name coach in here. Get Jim Harbaugh in here. But now that the dust has settled in Eber, I mean... If he survived that that start earlier in the year, mm -hmm. he survived that and the thing with Alan Williams and all these terrible things that were happening, if he could overcome all of that and get the defense playing better, and maybe some of that was because of the trade, but maybe he does deserve another shot. Yeah. And if he well, fucks it up, you fire him, you know? Right. But it's just another year of, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, this is a tough one. And Jordan says the moment they kept Eberflus really nailed the Bears as an unserious franchise to him. And I, I can see where he's thinking. Listen, I've just pulled up a list of Super Bowl head coaches, winning head coaches. 
And so I'm going to name a bunch of names here and ask you is, can, can you potentially see Matt Eberflus being as good as any of these coaches? Okay, fun. Go ahead. And Andy Reid. I always thought Reid was a little overrated, uh, but, I mean, he's got two rings now, so I'm going to say no. Okay. Sean McVay. McVay's gone to two Super Bowls, uh, boy wonder kind of thing, so I'm going to say no. Okay. Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, yes. He could be a b better than Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, see Tom Brady. That's the reason he has a ring. Bruce yeah. Arians was extremely overrated. Yes, fuck Bruce Arians. I wouldn't say extremely overrated. I think Bruce Arians was a very good coach. Do you think that the Bears... He looks like a bus driver with that stupid hat that he wears. <laughs> he looks like he's taking us from the stadium to... I don't know. that that that. What's that garage where we, where we have to park at? Millennium? Yes. He looks like the guy driving a bus taking us back to the Millennium Garage Center. No! <laughs> I'll rather have Eberflus. Did you ever see that movie with Kurt Russell uh, and uh, where his wife gets kidnapped by a trucker? Is that breakdown or something? Yeah, something breakdown. Yeah, it, it was okay. Yeah. It's okay. Well, Andy, I mean, uh, Bruce Arians looks like one of the guys at the diner when Kurt Russell went, hey, anybody see my wife? And the guys in the diner just like look at him like, who the fuck are you, Yankee? Get the fuck out. Exactly. That's why <laughs> Eberflus could be better. <laughs> breakdown thank you um okay i'll give you that one all right so uh bill belichick absolutely no not. no doug uh peterson doug peterson won a super bowl beat belichick i'll but say no fired well what once or twice since then hey yeah. he took big dick nick all the way okay nick Bowles won the super bowl mvp 440 yards passing or whatever yes Give him his and, props. And so that's the interesting thing, you know, that you you bring up what he did with the backup quarterback winning the Super Bowl. That was a, a system that won that Super Bowl. It was the Philadelphia Eagles organization and their dedication their dedication to doing certain things a certain way where you can plug in a Nick Foles for your starting quarterback and you can plug in a Foles was better than Wentz, though. <laughs> he really oh, was. Absolutely. Absolutely. And probably still is if they were to both to suit up and find jobs. Uh Pete Carroll, no way, right? Pete Carroll, no. No, Pete Carroll's gonna be better. You know. John Harbaugh of the Ravens. Man, John's been there a long time and uh, you know, won a Super Bowl against his brother, no less, and has had I mean, they're in the playoffs almost every year, even if it's sort of a down year. So I'm gonna say no to John Harbaugh as well. Okay. Um, so a lot of no's here. Mike Tomlin, no. Mike right? Tomlin's a definite no. Again, he's been there since, what, 07? Mm -hmm. He's only won one ring, but again, for the most part, continued success. Mm -hmm. I love Mike Tomlin as a coach. Playoff teams year after year after year. Sean Payton. Sean Payton, uh, he did win a ring. He went onside to start the third quarter, and it shocked everybody. I'll still remember him as a spare bear who looks like Eddie Munster from the Munsters TV show. And he's a scab. So, you know what? I'm going to say Eberflus could be better than Sean Payton. Ooh, and fuck you. Sean Payton. He got his big comeback win against us at Soldier Field this year, too. So, yeah, yeah fuck yeah. <laughs> What's Denver going to do when they cut Russell Wilson next season? They're going to finish fourth, probably, in AFC West. So, 
Here's a guy who I know you think Ibraflus will be better than, and that's Mike McCarthy, who won a Super Bowl with the Packers. Mike McCarthy, I think, uh, I honestly thought that he got a bad rap that, you know, when they were losing playoff games, a lot of that was on Rodgers. But, man, Green Bay just smashed them this year, so that kind of hurts his legacy a little bit. And he's a smart ass, a real arrogant motherfucker anyway. So I'm going to say, yeah, Ibraflus could be better than him, even if I'm just saying that out of – pure bears fandom <laughs> steven me is, is at it again with you Eberflus uh, over super bowl winning coaches shut up dan you're talking shit <laughs> no Go comment ahead. no comment okay. i mean why does this guy like is, is like his way to get attention he's just fucking steven's like an attention whore <laughs> he's like please let me suck somebody's dick so that i can get notoriety <laughs> I bet so, he likes. I bet he loves Taylor Swift too. You know what, Dan? I gotta admit, I I like Taylor Swift too. I gotta admit it, man. I, well, uh, I will I say this: I know it's not real music, but no, I'm not even talking about her career. She's the biggest pop star in the world. I well, let her have. She's earned that. Again, yes. it's not my music, but that's not the part I'm bitching about. I'm complaining, like when Greg Olson in Week Three, when the Bears are in KC, are saying he's like, oh. Taylor Swift's my favorite. I love the 1989 record. It's my favorite. Like, no, he's he doesn't believe that. He's just pandering when he said that. And and by the way, Greg Olson has lost his gig. That's right. Tom Brady's <laughs> coming in and saying, fuck it, I'm on the number one team, and we're not doing a three-man team. For the fact that he was pandering to the Swifties so much in week three, I say Greg Olson deserves to be demoted, especially because he has no bass in his voice. Stephen Meese says, I have her coach the Bears instead of Eberflus. You got to admit. I mean, what does Stephen, Stephen might as well just be a Packers fan. Like, is there anything positive about the Bears? Does he have anything for us? Anything? Even answer that question. You, know, you hate Justin positive. Fields. You hate the coach. You hate, what do you like? <laughs> Don't say dick, Stephen, because then Dan will send, send you a picture of that. Uh, my dick is injured. No one wants to see it right now. <laughs> All right. So my point with all of these Super Bowl winning coaches is Eberflus, in my opinion, it's not better than any one of those coaches. Any one of those coaches. Right, let me interrupt that thought. At least right now. Well, let right. me interrupt that thought because everybody loves the guy in Detroit. Everybody loves him, right? You can't tell me his coaching didn't lead to them losing the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. yep. I mean, not ki kicking those two field goals. Uh, when it's third and goal and you need all your timeouts, well, let's try to be smarter than everybody and run David Montgomery up. Oh, fuck. San Francisco stopped him. So now we have to take a timeout. So now we have to go on side. He personally cost them that game with his dumb coaching in the fourth quarter, yep. especially when they had that big lead. So, exactly. so I mean, uh, I'm just saying everybody loves him. Everybody thinks he's a great coach. Dan Campbell, the bread, the best. And I've even said he's their Mike Ditka. Who's to say that Eberflus can't be better than Dan Campbell? Dan Campbell was one game from the Super Bowl. Do you think that Matt Eberflus could be a more effective head coach than Mike Ditka? No. How come? You can say what you want about Ditka not winning enough. You win Super Bowl twenty, but what else? I get that. But you also had division title wins in 84, 86, 87, 88, 90. Made the playoffs in 91. I mean, that is sustained success that as Bear fans, we haven't seen since. And, and probably in your lifetime, even though you're a little bit older than me, Aldo, 
I would say that that's the best run of your life too. It's not like you were like, oh, Sid Luckman and winning champion. That's before you too. So in both of our lifetimes, that's the most sustained success that we've seen as a Bear fan. Absolutely. absolutely and so right. that's big fucking shoes to fill. Even if Ditka hadn't won the Super Bowl, he was a consistent winner. And we mm -hmm. haven't been consistent winning anything since 1993 when Ditka was fired. Yeah. I, I do contend that we won more because of the roster than because of Ditka's coaching decisions. Ditka, when he came to the Bears, he did something really important that that team needed. He kicked them in the fucking ass because that was a perennially losing season and they looked like a terrible fucking team. In fact, they had the worst record in the league a couple of seasons. So he came in, he fucking threw Ricky Watts, the wide receiver, yeah. threw his shit out of the locker room and stuff. And he's uh, Noah Jackson, that. too, right? Yep. And then he brought them all. Yeah, Noah Jackson, too. He brought them all together and said, We're playing with a chip on our shoulder. Everybody out there hates us. And that was magical. It worked. But then. After 85 with the Scab Bears, he alienated the players, alienated everyone in the team. They hated him. We but don't forget coach of the year, 88. 12 yeah. and 4 in 88 when the whole team's been broken up. Yeah. And they still went 12 and 4, and the motherfucker had a heart attack and came back the next week. How many people yeah. are going to coach today a, a week after they had a heart attack? Yeah, I just feel that that was more the roster than it was uh, Mike Ditka. But, but I'm just saying he was – Coach of the year after the 85 team had been broken up. Yeah, It's so not like he only had the 85 team. I mean, by 88, Walter's gone. You know, Willie Galt's gone. You know, uh, Fensick's retired. Wilbur Marshall's gone. Otis Wilson's gone. Uh, Todd Bell's gone. All these guys are gone. And 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 he's still coach of the year, 12 and 4, uh, one game from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, Rudy Giuliani was time man of the year. So that, none of that shit. <laughs> and Taylor Swift is this year, and it's like killing Mr. Trump. <laughs> um, Steve comes back and he says, I love – you have a, uh, an accent, Steve? Because I'll try to do uh, – uh, I think you're from Ireland, is it? I forgot. Where. Anyway, I love the motherfucking bears. <laughs> I can't do Max. I want the best for our team. I can see how we need to change, but you're happy – to stick with the same old shit, Dan Aguirre. What do you say to that? I say that, do I have to keep defending my opinion? Okay, I will. I've seen uh, tremendous things from Justin Fields. I'm not, I'm cognizant of the mistakes that he has made. Mm -hmm. I'm cognizant of the fact that he hasn't been strong enough throwing the ball. But I also say to you, he just completed year three and he was 24 years old. The guy was born when I was a high school senior in 1999. Right. Uh, you know, for years, uh, if, I mean, it's a different era now, but a lot of times, it, you know, you a quarterback won in like their fifth, sixth, seventh year. Mm -hmm. You weren't expected to win immediately. And like even so, he hasn't won enough games. He did a lot of good shit in those three years, though. You have enough to make a highlight tape. Yep. Berlissimo is in the chat room. He also is in Justin Fields' corner. Berlissimo, uh, send me a chat comment on the, your number one reason for why the Bears should continue with Justin Fields, not select the quarterback in this draft and build them. Send me something. We'll put it up on the screen. Hey, George has got know. a prominent spot on David Kaplan's show. I mean, he, oh, yeah. He, that's Cap, years, Cap right? loves him when he calls in. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's got some credibility. He's got he's got a reason to swing his dick on here. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, maybe uh, Berlissimo can talk about this. King Buka World said this bullshit has to stop. Anybody see Cap say that DJ Moore said he is ready for Caleb or some shit like that? Funny, he left the whole part of his answer out. I did not hear that uh, Cap episode today, but DJ Moore is on record over and more multiple times, all on video that I've seen multiple times. Advocating for Justin Fields back as quarterback next season. So if Cap phrased that in any other way, he was wrong to say that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so three point wants to know. Please ask uh, Dan Aguirre if Greg will lose his pension on his bet about Justin. Oh, I guess three point and uh, uh, Greg Gable have a a bet about Justin Fields. Three point, we're going to punt on that question. Yeah, I don't want Greg mad at me. (laughs) Greg was on uh, Draft on Tap uh, last night, along with Eric Edholm of NFL Network. And during the show, we get this report that uh, the sometimes he's reporting that Devin Hester is going in. It was a priceless moment. I should have cut the clip out for tonight's show, uh, but it was a priceless moment because, of course, uh, Greg was a part of the Bears uh, uh, staff that drafted Devin Hester. Great stories to come. Jerry Angelo, by the way, will be a guest on Gabriel Talks Football on either Monday or Tuesday. We're trying to lock down which day works better for Mr. Angelo. Bellissimo says... Justin Fields has shown he can operate in West Coast offense when we actually had a coach call those concepts. Bill Lazor, remember him? We scored 29 points on offense, four straight games. Then Nagy took back over, and the air raid, even with progressions, is nothing like West Coast offense progression. It's based on alignments and not other pre-snap information, information which is key in the NFL. So, Berlissimo, my follow-up to you is, will Shane Waldron complement the talents of Justin Fields, or are we back in this fucking vicious circle? Anyway, um, this would be – I want to get to uh, the Devin Hester stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Tucci is going to join us in about 30 minutes or so. And so we're going to talk about McMichael and we're going to talk about Devin Hester. We're not going to talk that much about Julius Peppers. Tell us why, Dan Aguirre. He went to Green Bay and he played better there than he did with us. So fuck him. <laughs> That's it. No more. That's about it. <laughs> Julius, we can just play a twin soundbite from Schwarzenegger. And he's like, Vincent, I'm your twin brother, Julius. That's, that's, that's more fun than listening to Julius Peppers talk. But yeah, man, like opening day, 2006, Bears at Green Bay. And the Bears go up there and win 26 to nothing. And the last score of the game, a rookie named Devin Hester in the fourth quarter returned a punt for a touchdown. And within a couple of weeks was a sensation. Uh, you know, Unbelievable times. Just right. the, of course the Bears found a way to fuck that up by 2008. But yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So it uh, there were 13 punt return touchdowns for Devin Hester. I asked Dan to comment on each one of them. The very first one he just commented on. Let's see, take a look at fourth longest streak in NFL history, second longest active streak. Ryan, uh, this was great Devin opening day. He's got one. Watch out here. If he gets a couple blocks, he's gone. Devin Hester, the rookie from Miami. Touchdown. Sam Rosen on the call. 
And Rosen indeed on the clock. And by the way, uh, Dan, we can hear you while the highlight is going on. So oh, I should shut up. I'm sorry, my bad. No, no, no. So I was I was actually going to say. So feel free to continue to comment. Uh, I just got excited. You know, <laughs> I don't blame I, you. The first quarter, the first drive of the 06 season, uh, Grossman deep to Bernard Berrien for a touchdown against Green Bay. That's when you knew special shit was happening in 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck you, Brett Favre. <laughs> Welfare so, fraud. Let, let me uh, go a little bit, and, and please, people in the chat, uh, join in on this Devin Hester uh, uh, talk. Can, can I, before you go to the next one, I just want to quickly, uh, the Tariqo one against the Cardinals, mm-hmm. I love it. I love the one against Kansas City when the pigeons and shit are flying around in 07. I hope, I guess we have that. That may have been a kickoff return, but he had one in week two of 07. Like I said, there's pigeons flying all over the fucking place. And the one against the Broncos, the Sauerbrunn. Those are my oh, favorites. Yeah. My favorites coming up. Those are great ones. So when the Bears drafted Devin Hester, he was a second round pick. Did you know anything about him? Did, were, were you thinking, oh, no, who the fuck? I was it? happy with it because at the time, Antoine Randall L uh, was trying to come to Chicago. As the story was reported that Lovey was kind of a dick and was like, ah, we don't really want this guy. He had some success in Pittsburgh and he was trying to come to Chicago. Just like if you remember, what was the other guy that, uh, not Ocho Cinco, but the one that had the long braids in Cincinnati? What was the other wide receiver's name? Uh, he was trying to come to Chicago, too, and said Lovey was an asshole to him. Yeah, yeah. I, anyway, I, so when they didn't sign Randall L., who had just won a Super Bowl, I was like, man, we really need a punt returner. And they drafted this kid from the U, so I thought, okay, good. Now I'm happy. Yeah. I was a little bit pissed off with the choice because not so much – at the time of the choice, but he was drafted as a defensive back. And so we right. quickly learned that that wasn't going to work out. And I'm like, we fucking dr- spent a second round pick on a kick returner. I understand the importance of special teams, but you can find guys on free agency. Do we so haven't I, found a guy like him since? <laughs> you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I had no idea he was going to be this special. So let's start. Uh, and keep in mind, he had no returns for touchdowns in 08 or 09. Mm-hmm. Bellissimo says Valus anytime could be a disaster. Don't. <laughs> what were the two nicknames besides any? What was the other nickname besides anytime that Devin Hester had? Well, I'm sorry, I misunderstood the question. I uh, Devin Hester had two nicknames while he was with the Chicago. I've got, you're One. ridiculous, is what I remember from Joniak. No, it was something else. Let, let me see if uh, I can find it real quick. Uh, and Deion Sanders always said, "My baby." He was always saying that uh, <laughs> Devin was his child on the highlights on game day and NFL network, which was great with he and Rich Eisen and uh, Steve Mariucci. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, uh, the Windy highlight. City Flyer. Was that there one you of them? go. That's it. That's it. Right. That's exactly it. Uh, TJ Hushmanzato was the guy with the braids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he was pissed saying that Lovey was like a condescending asshole to him. <laughs> well, I can see Lovey being a dick, you know, but but whatever. He was our dick, right? (laughs) Right. All right. So here is uh, Devin Hester's second punt return for a touchdown with the Bears. Devin Hester from the Oh, the Monday night game. It's in the Tariqo here. And Hester picks up another block. Devin Hester, the punter to beat. He beat beat him. Devin Hester all the way. Oh, Oh, my God. I I wish it continued. Yes, yeah, I wish yes. it continued because uh, Kornheiser was great right there, too. He's like, this is unbelievable. 
not one touchdown on their offense, and you know they take the lead. Oh god, that was a special time to be a Bears fan. I told uh, Dan before uh, we started that I was really fucking pissed off in that first half. I mean, that offense looked so embarrassingly pathetic. It was awful, and I was I never I never never really until this season was the first time where during the game I felt like, yeah, we lost. I always push those thoughts out of my mind because I want to be positive. I feel like my vibe as a, as a fan and everyone else, if we all think co- together collectively, we can pull this out. We can. And for those fuckers that say, we, oh, we blew this game, I always get pissed off at them and, and say, I block them or mute them on, on s- social media because I don't want that negative energy. I want to us as fans to believe we're down 21, started the fourth quarter, we can do something. Let's start with the defense getting a, uh, a pick six. That's the way I am. And that game returned my faith, not returned, but uh, promoted my faith in, in comebacks. My, I told you before, I had a girlfriend named Lakeisha back then, and she had been watching the games with me since 05. This was our second year together. Yeah, Erlacher had the game of his life that night. And she was just like, ah, well, you, you, you're you not going to win tonight. I was like, hold on now. I just had this certain like certitude that day because again, Rex was NFC player of the month in September. And I didn't know that it was going to come from all defense and special teams, but I felt, I honestly felt like, okay, this guy nutted all over himself in the first half, but he's a rising star. We're, he's going to find his way in the second half. I felt we were going to win. I don't, I felt like Namath here saying this, like, I don't know why, but I felt like I could, we were going to win the game. I guarantee it. But I, I thought it would be from the offense, but I, I just thought they were going to win that game. And it ended up being, monumentally better because the the offense didn't do anything. It made it more memorable in some ways. Yeah. And, and uh, Berlis, the most comment here on, on Brendan Enya Bedejo's uh, block on that huge assist. In fact, you know, and when you look at all of these touchdowns, that special teams unit, was that all Dave Taub? Dave Taub? Yeah, Dave Taub was, was there, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was fantastic. He got He's in guys. KC still now. Yeah, he should have been a head coach, man. And then Josh Brown uh, reminds me anyway. You probably knew this that Erlacher had that was the game of his life. Fucking tackles that. Game. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I'm not saying Josh is wrong. If you'd asked me, Dan, how many tackles he had, I thought he had 19 or something. But either way, and he could be right. I, I'm just you know off the top of my head, but I knew it was Erlacher's best game, like as a pro for real. Yeah, it's oh my god, Jesus! I'm getting so psyched up thinking about you know that era of football. Go ahead. The, the Bears' defense still allowed Arizona to drive down the field again after that, and Arizona had to miss a field goal for us to win. They let Matt Liner drive right back down the field. It was like a 39-yarder, and the kid missed it. Yeah, it wasn't the kid, too. This guy was a really good field goal kicker. I forgot his name. But that it was the famous Dennis Green. We know who they thought we're. Yeah. <laughs> Great moment. By the way, speaking of Earl Acker and whatever, however many tackles, I forgot to include this when we were talking about Kaylee Williams, Justin Fields. This is Earl Acker being interviewed on the 33rd team podcast regarding Kaylee Williams. You keep track of everything going on with the Bears and all these talk about the Justin Fields and the Caleb Williams. Do you feel like, do you have a strong opinion on what they should do over there? Yes and no. You know, I think anytime the, the local radio stations want to talk to me, it's about that. Um, I don't I don't envy their position. You know, they have to make a tough decision with Justin, who they could be the guy, may not be the guy, or do you 
And last year they had the number one pick and they passed up on CJ Stroud. Um, they could have had him last year. Um, it's just it's it's tough to uh, to bring that position, I guess. But I I think at this point, if people are still asking if Justin is the guy, he's probably not the guy, right? Three years in, if they're still saying, hey, is he going to be our guy? Um, and then they're sitting there with the number one pick, so I think the pretty good players sitting there, well as well. At least it wasn't college and Caleb Williams. I think it's a, in my opinion, they probably have to draft the kid. Dan, before you comment on that, I got to give you credit because you were the first one to point out to me that Brian Erlacher is a knucklehead. <laughs> he's just <laughs> not a very smart guy. I wouldn't call him dumb, but I mean, he's had a lot of off the field things that you could point to that are. Like, ooh, like that woman saying, his baby mama saying that he was painting his children's or his child's toes pink and trying to purposely make him gay at like four and was telling the, the boy to say things like, oh, that's pretty. And again, I am not anti-gay in any way, but the mom intimated that he was per personally dedicated to trying to fuck up their kid's mental st state of mind. Mm -hmm. That's a serious allegation, and maybe that was all a lie. It could be. It but I just felt like this guy's a dick, man. Remember he had Paris Hilton with him the night Soldier Field reopened in 03, and his wife found out he was having an affair like on Monday Night Football in front of the nation? I mean, again, I'm not the moral police. I'm just saying the guy's always been. And as soon as we got Cutler, he was fucking doing everything he could to tear it down. It's interesting that he's like, oh, we've had him three years. You got to trade. You got to move on. But yet this guy is like pounding Kyle Orton's dick for like 12 years after the, the trade. We should have kept KO when KO couldn't complete a pass over eight yards down the field. But yeah, he loved Kyle Orton, man. Loved him. But I can't denigrate, honestly, Erlacher's opinion. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer and knows more football than I'll ever know, and that might be his honest opinion. So. Well, I, I bet that it is, but see, his honest opinion should have been, based on other things that he has said, should have been, I don't watch enough Bears football to really comment on that. You know, uh, it, it, what he is talking about, uh, are, what, what he provided us were just kind of generalities. about. That is true. If you got a quarterback for three years and you're thinking about getting rid of it, then you don't have a quarterback. That those are generalities. He should have said, "I haven't studied it. I haven't studied enough to, to uh, you know." I, I hope that he is and he has a great career with Chicago. They definitely, you know, and take a shot at the Bears or whatever. But I hate to interrupt. I hate to interrupt. Just give me two minutes. I'm fucking dying. I got to piss so bad. Go like, for it, man. Don't 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 show another highlight. I'll be right back. I'll be right I back. Will. Take your time. <laughs> It's funny because I heard Dan kind of moving around in the background a little bit. And I'm thinking to myself, I think he's got to go to bed, John. <laughs> let's see. Um, let's see comments here. And let's see. Bellissimo says, Cutler is a douche canoe. But that's from stories I heard straight from a quarterback that was in the quarterback room when, with him in Denver his rookie year. Bellissimo, when I first saw Jay Cutler as a Denver Bronco and saw that look on his face and saw how he would get pissed off if a receiver dropped the pass, I said, I don't like this fucking guy. He's And when the trade was announced that uh, Cutler was coming to the Bears, it was the same feeling I had when Dennis Rodman was announced that he was coming to the Bulls. I didn't like it. I hated Dennis Rodman with the Detroit Pistons. I says, why would you want that motherfucker on our team, that dirty-ass fucking player? And the same thing with color. Why would you want that crybaby on the team? But as a fan of the Bulls, as a fan of the Bears, as a fan of all Chicago sports teams, 
I said, hey, he's on our team. I'm going to fucking root for him. And um, with uh, with Cutler, I'm, I was one of those guys, like uh, Draft Dr. Phil, making excuses for him every year and so forth. Uh, and, and I still uh, believe that he could have played better if he would have been surrounded with more talent around him, particularly uh, in uh, a real, true number one wide receiver other than those years with um, Mushan Muhammad, I think, was with the team for, for a little while. Berlissimo goes on to say uh, he was completely disrespectful to vets who had done it for years. Oh, wait a minute. Are you talking about Erlacher? Uh, hey, Erlacher, if people want to impeach your press, <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing about Erlacher. He has some really far right-wing uh, thoughts on stuff. Uh, Josh Brown says, Cutler humiliated his offensive tackle. That was uh, – who was that? It was um, – uh, we just had him on a show recently. Um, Jesus. He had – this is the shoot-tying incident where the left tackle didn't sh- uh, uh, have his – uh, shoe tied and uh, NFL okay. films. Do you remember the, who was the left tackle in NFL when Jay Cutler was had to tie the guy's shoelaces? Oh, that the, was Jamarcus Webb, right? Yeah, Jamarcus Webb. We just had him on a show recently, so I I, I forgot about that. But you know, Cutler was uh, th- there. It is Berlisma got it. Cutler w- did n- was not a leader. That was his biggest problem with the Chicago Bears, and I think that. Devin Hester, if you were to give Devin Hester some truth serum, he would say, yeah, I could have been a much better wide receiver if it wasn't for fucking Jay Cutler and the fact that he would make me feel like shit when I ran the wrong route. So um, be that as it may. All right, let's get back to our highlight special. The next one is coming right at you. Devin Hester, who has returned two punts for touchdowns this year, and this kick is going to bounce inside the 40. Hester at the 45. Here's Devin Hester breaking a couple of tackles. Only the kicker to beat. He can't do it. Hester in for the touchdown. His third of the year. What do you remember about that one, Mr. Uh, That is the day Tommy Harris, uh, for all effective purposes, his career was ended that day with the torn hamstring and Mm -hmm. I think a knee injury. But the Bears clinched the NFC North that day. It's just so bad for Tommy that he got hurt and missed the Super Bowl. Uh, But I didn't even remember Hester's touchdown that day. When you asked me about that game, I remember it being freezing cold, low scoring, and the Bears clinched the NFC North that day. And, of course, Tommy's injury. Yeah, you know, it's funny, too. Like, leading up to that game, I I noticed that a lot of teams were chop-blocking Tommy and going at his knees. And I I was starting to become – concerned about that and when that happened in that particular game it's almost like i blamed myself i should have been thinking about it. i shouldn't have let that you know my vibe you know fucked it up for tommy and uh if tommy plays in that super bowl game there's no fucking way that the coats run the ball down our throats Uh, not that he was a, a sensational run defender but he would have allowed other players the linebackers to make tackles uh because he uh, demands so much attention all right let's go to the next one they had a couple of first downs on their first drive taking the opening kick out to about the 45 but nothing since as hester now has oh this is the day with the pigeons oh yeah (laughs) and he is gone one one of his returns that day there was birds flying everywhere it looked like a hitchcock film (laughs) yes 
So I believe that was the second game of the season. And, yeah, and it was. I we lost to San Diego opening opening day, and Mike Brown got hurt opening day and cried. <laughs> so did I. Yeah, me too. I'm just saying that's the passion that motherfucker had. He was great. Yeah, yeah that's another career that he could have been a Hall of Famer if he would have been able to stay healthy. I, and I remember I followed the draft very closely that year. That when they drafted Mike Brown, they also drafted Mike Singletary. If I remember, no, correctly. no, Erlacher. Erlacher. I'm sorry. And so I remember uh, thinking, you know, Mike Brown. He looks like he's going to be a great guy, but I'm a little worried about his size and can he withstand NFL punishment? He did for a while, but uh, that that was a sad that he wasn't able to have a, a full NFL career. Definitely would have been a Hall of Famer in my opinion. But that was the that in that second game of the 2017 season. It was almost like a relief uh, uh, that. Oh, he's going to continue to be awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just wasn't a one-season thing. All right, here's the next one. <laughs> Again, punting away from Hester, who makes the grab at the I team. love this. Boy, he sets it up. <laughs> this is the one where he... Um... By All right. I can tell you about this in a second. Unbelievable. Go for it. This game was a shootout. We would be down 14. That's a, that's Adrian Peterson's big day, the 250 yards or whatever he had against us. But that day, at the end, we were down 14 at the end of the game, and Greasy threw a bomb to Hester that tied the game up. It was like 90 yards or something, like as a wide receiver. Yes. He went deep. It was 81 yards or something to Hester. Uh, independent of the special teams, he caught a bomb from Greasy, tied the game up after we were down like 31-17, tied it up, and what do you know what? The defense just let Minnesota go right back down and win the game. Yeah, man, oh, man. Gosh, you know, relieving these moments, we got to get our team together, man. I need You brought up Ian Badagio a minute ago. What a block he had on that, that return a minute ago. Yeah, sure It was did. almost uh, – you know, ooh, was that an illegal block in the back? No, it wasn't. Fuck it, let's keep going. That's the way Kansas City does it. Yeah. They don't need – I don't want to start on that bitterness. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but that was – that last one was the game where our announcer said, you are ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, maybe. Sure I know that was Dick Stockton there, though, yeah, but on TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? Who? I'm forgetting his name now. What's the name of our radio? Jeff name? Joniak. Jeff Joniak, when a he, real man, not like that Wayne going up to Green Bay. That fucking traitor. By the way, uh, Stephen Me says, Ugh. "Mongo played with Green Bay." Dan, get over it. Pro athletes. Did I complain Monday. about Mongo going to Green Bay? No, Mongo, Mongo said I stole Peppers going to Green Bay. Yeah, he went to Green Bay and suddenly was playing well. Uh, Peppers didn't do much for Chicago. And Mongo said he went to Green Bay and stole money. So, yeah, steal money from them. Fuck them. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, we continue with our Bears highlights. I forgot what number we're in, but this is Devin Hester. Next, probably time with the Bears. From the 25. 40. Here he goes. Cuts it back, and he is gone. Touchdown, Devin Hester. Oh, I fucking love that touchdown. Yeah. I love Todd Sauerbrunn from West Virginia University. Yeah, and talk shit that week, and Devin had two kicks in a row back. Oh, man. You want to get me hard? There you go. Love Ooh. that game. 
Greg Gumbel, great on the microphone that day. And fucking great blocks on that way. Uh, and then that game, I don't know who 94 was, but I saw him level somebody to help create that lane for him. But yeah, the uh, that's our brown hurdle. That was that was awesome, man. Awesome. That was probably in my top five of all returns in Devin Hester's uh, career. All right, let's move on to the next punt return for a touch. Listen to the anticipation of this crowd. Hester at the 40, and Hester is going to go all the way. No flags are down. Devin Hester. What do you remember of that game, Dan? I right? don't remember that game. I honestly don't remember that game at all. <laughs> yeah, I remember KO won a couple of games at the end of the season, including he beat Favre, and th that must be one of them. Yeah, I remember they beat uh, Green Bay when Alex Brown blocked uh, a field goal late in the game, uh, and they won again. Wait a minute. No, no, that's 08. 07 ended with us beating Green Bay, and I guess that New Orleans game. I'd kind of forgotten that. I think they won the last three that year, though, okay. with KO as quarterback. Um. <laughs> Demon Di says you finally got Dan. <laughs> I forgot that I, I've got it. I could review it, you know, if yeah. I wanted to. Yeah, that's the thing about Dan is his his memory is embellished by the fact that you watch a lot of these games over and over again. Not not over and over again, but you know, you you watch them like I watch one of my favorite movies. Safe to say. I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? You watched some a lot of Bears games from that era over again because of your DVD collection. Save oh, yeah, yeah. I've got, you know, hundreds of Bears games. I, I'm like to quote Beck, I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me? <laughs> I thought that was Taylor Swift. <laughs> that could be Taylor Swift, too. Who knows? <laughs> She's everywhere. Ubiquitous. No shit. All right, here 56 we go. 66 yards. Took Hester back to the 39. Picked up a block, and here comes Hester. He might go. Devin Hester. Got it. Touchdown, Chicago. I mean, the guy runs so beautifully, too, right? I, I mean, him and Gail Sayers and Walter Payton are the three greatest, from an aesthetic standpoint, runners in Bears history. Even Can I, I want to comment on that. Go ahead. That was week three, 2010. That was the first night we wore those 1940s throwback jerseys. That mm -hmm. summer, they were selling them on the Bears website, which was not connected to like Fanatics or NFL Shop. It was independent back then. Okay. And they were only allowing uh, season ticket holders the first crack at them. So you had to have a code that you got when you were a season ticket holder. It took me like two hours, but I guessed the code. It was like something to do with Hallis. And I broke the code and got that jersey with the season ticket holders. Uh, <laughs> and of course, I ordered the Jay Cutler one. But... Uh, that's a true story, and that was the first day we wore those throwback jerseys. It was a Monday night, and Aaron Rodgers lost to Jay Cutler on Monday Night Football. I love it. Um, gosh, should I say this? Uh, well, I'm not saying her last name, but during the game, I was being blown by a woman named Tammy. <laughs> true story. I love it. Are you going to get blown during Super Bowl Sunday? No, no, my dick is injured. My dick is on the injured list. <laughs> That could be a healing power. <laughs> By the way, that game, oh, I was going to say, oh, uh, was that one of the jerseys, that Cutler throwback jersey? Was that one was your cousin stole? Yeah, he stole. No, that one was a replica oh, okay. uh, that I got. But, yeah, I ended up buying the, the uh, authentic one when they went to Nike after the 2011 season, when they went to 2012. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, he stole that authentic one or the, what Nike calls elite. So I still had that replica, but I ended up finding another elite one on eBay. So I've got it again, but yeah, fuck my cousin. He's a junkie, disloyal, duplicitous bastard and a thief. <laughs> we should do like a special show dedicated to him. A special show uh, if he overdoses and dies, you know. <laughs> I hate so to sound vindictive, but I'm being right. honest with you. I got family members that I hate too. So I think most of us in the world have certain family members that is like, dude, my life would be so much better if you were never born. Anyway, here we go. Back to Devin. <laughs> and Devin Hester is trying to get to the outside. A block from Earl Bennett. No flags. Touchdown, Devin Hester. Wait, we, I got to go back because, again, 97. Watch the block from 97. It's come, coming from the left. There is, is it 87? Yeah, it's 87. Who is that? Do you know, Dan? Not right off. Let me. It looks like a tight end. Watch this. Could it be Kellen ball. Davis? Yeah, that's who it is. That's who it I is. I can't see the name at all. I'm just guessing. Yeah, it's got to be D A V I S. Uh, I I think so. he was a monster, six seven man. <laughs> I love that block. Outside. A block from Earl Bennett. Oh, Kellen Davis, but he, he did. He says Earl Bennett, so this is down the field, right? You see, from Earl definitely wasn't seventeen, right? He was like eighty three or something. Where's Earl Bennett? Somebody, 85. Okay. 85. Thank you. Okay, I was thinking 83. That's the tooch. Potting it to the outside. A block. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> that looked like seeing 85 with that block, he looks like Dennis McKinnon. <laughs> he does. Man, he fucking rattled that guy. Ooh, that's probably a penalty today. Yeah, I was just going to say that. No doubt about it. Oh, man, that was awesome. Oh, oh, I love that night. I love that night. That's what we're going to win the division again. The Metro Dome fell down. That's right. The next one, oh, man. Jay threw like this fucking 83 yard touchdown to Johnny Knox. We blew the Vikings up. That's the day Brett Favre said he was out on Monday. They said he was out. And then later that night, like, no, nah, he's starting. And, and that ended up being Brett's last game. The Bears injured him in his last game with Corey Wooten. That's right, man. Love you, man. Uh, yeah, and you just I thought this team could go to the Super Bowl, baby, and we, we were just seven so, points short. So fucking close. And I, I like, like you said, I love the coating of snow uh, and the, the image. You know, I'm a big visual guy. This The image of this touchdown is so beautiful. This time, Hester's under it at the 35, finds an opening at the midfield to the 40, Hester oh. 30, Hester 20, Hester 10, Hester to the end zone. Touchdown, Devin Hester. Oh, great memories. All right, let's go on to the next one. I, I don't want to wait too long because we got two on the 30-yard line. Starting right, Hester comes left. Slices the defender at the 40. Looking for a bucket to midfield. There goes Dunham. 30, 20, 10, 5. Roll somersault style twice in the end zone. I hope that Devin, in his acceptance speech, says some really nice things about about guys. me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> about those guys who were throwing these vicious blocks, it was unbelievable. 
Yeah, and there was played that. uh, It's too bad we don't have like the return miss field goal against the Giants in here too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will definitely be doing more Hester stuff uh, as the induction ceremonies in Canton get closer. Are you going to fly in or drive to Canton for that ceremony? I could drive to Canton. It's only I don't like three, four hours. But no, I'm I'm not going. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe doing it, but the weather is usually super hot that fucking day. And with so many Bears fans, with three Bears being inducted, that's going to be a wild. But let's get to the next one here. Boy, uh, real quick, when Jarrett, when Jarrett inducted Walter in 93, mm-hmm. holy shit, you talk about making me fucking cry, even though, though I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, even I know now all the tension that was going on with Walter and having his wife and his girlfriend and all that stuff, but fuck all that. Just yeah. Jared's speech for Walter is something that, oh my, and I could never, I, I cry every time I see it. No shit. Same here, bro. All right, here we go. Touchdown! I, I uh, actually went back the wrong way. So here we go. Should be coming up. No, this is the, we saw this one. We saw this one. And now I fast forward. Damn, Devin Hester! To the next one, which is probably number nine. Line drive caught, 30 yard line. Starting right, Hester comes left. Slices the defender at the 40. Looking for a bucket in midfield. There goes Dunham. 30, 20, 10, 5. Roll somersault style twice in the end zone. All right, so we saw that one already. Let's play this next one. What a play All the way back to the 18. Yeah, that day there was a fight. Oh, yeah. I like Tom Brenneman on the mic. It's unfortunate that he said what he said and he could never get another gig, but I thought Brenneman was good. I know he had some time with the Cubs, too, on uh, in Chicago. I liked him doing Reds games and on Fox. I thought he was awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. Hugh uh, says, my favorite return besides the Super Bowl was the game winner against the Rams. Monday night football, baby. Indeed. The pressure was on Rex. Are they going to play greasy? And Rex mm-hmm. came out and had a, a big ass. You know, he balled out. Yep, sure did. I think this is the last one of the 13 he had with the Bears. Oh, we got cheated this day. All right. Why um, did we get cheated? This is the day that Jay tore his groin. Literally tore his groin like off the bone and yeah. was doing that heart machine to come back in a few weeks where he was getting blood uh, taken from his balls and re and spun and platelet spun and re-injected into his balls. Unbelievable. Jay's a tough motherfucker. I don't care if anybody likes him or doesn't like him. But Robbie Gold kicks a field goal that would have sent us. It's like 45-42 or something. Yes. He kicks a field goal that goes straight over the upright, and they call it. Uh, they said the kick was no good, and the kick was good. Mm-hmm. The kick was fucking good. Even yeah. Robbie said that. Robbie's like, I didn't miss that kick. and You know, that was the start of Robbie missing some kicks for us, but that day it was good, and the refs called it and said it was no good. We would have oh. gone to overtime. Josh Jeez. McCown had a great game. RG3 played great that day. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You are absolutely right. I forgot about that Robbie kick. Oh, my gosh. And and Tooch notes that you're talking about balls again. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I've got a thing for balls. (laughs) All right. Hey, Tooch, uh, I see you laughing. Are you ready to come in? All right. 
His name is Johnny Santucci, and let's welcome him in now. Johnny Santucci, how are you? <laughs> I dressed up for Danny. I got my Wanstead uh, polo. Oh, you know I love that shirt. Yeah, nice. vintage uh, Mikey uh, Bears polo. <laughs> that is nice. So how was your vacation, brother? Oh, man, it was great. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, my first time on a cruise ship, a lot of fun, man. The the Bahama beaches are just beautiful. The yeah. ship was beautiful too, man. The shows on the ship, awesome. They did like a, they did a 1980s music video tribute, mm -hmm. all different best of 80s songs with like moving video screens and singers and laser lights. It was great. Uh, did you sign a lot of? Did you sign a lot of autographs? <laughs> <laughs> did you show your bare ass? <laughs> I, got, I got sunburnt on look kind of you can still kind of see yeah, those my half see it. right sunburned on half moon key it was really nice i mean the water was a little cold but uh yeah, it was fun the food was great uh did you hear about my penis <laughs> i listened to all the all the ball and penis talk i can well, he, he cut he cut his his penis my penis but, is uh, on the injured list it's it's it got a razor cut Damn, what the hell was it that? What is that sponsor we used to have? Manscaped. It wasn't Manscaped. Manscaped. <laughs> wasn't a manscaping accident? No, it was a woman's razor. It was like, it was a Venus pubic hair razor. So I was like, ah, <laughs> if it's a, specifically for pubes, it'll help me too, right? Anyway, I've talked about it enough. Tell us about the Bahamas. That <laughs> was beautiful. Uh, great, great time. Uh, you know, uh, enjoyed uh, some time with the family. Girls, the girls had a blast. Uh, I bet. Yeah. It was fun, man. Uh, I'm working on the Super Bowl magazine right now. Actually, we're, we're not doing a Chiefs magazine this year. We did one last year. So it's all 49ers oh, uh, stuff right that's now. That's interesting. Now, do yeah. you think they're, they're not doing a Chiefs one because last year's Chiefs uh, magazine didn't sell well? you think that could be well, right? I think I think just because we we did want a Chiefs last year, maybe they think, I don't know, why do hmm. another one? You know, And if if the Niners lose, then there's no magazine. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, I got a couple. Got a couple pictures I'll share. It's just the uh, the K Kindle Vildor bouncing a ball off his house. former bear. Oh my gosh, that was such Kindle. a huge play in that NFC Kindle championship. Vildor. Yeah, I'll be in the magazine. Yeah, I got like this Brock Purdy levitating picture. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> Jesus, he's got MJ ops. <laughs> I'm not supposed to share these. Right? It's like top okay. secret right now. But right. Hey, we won't. Yeah, I love you. you. I love you guys and stuff. So <laughs> you, get, you only get it here at the Barrow Network. <laughs> yeah, only get it here. <laughs> <laughs> Illegal photos. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Bellissimo says that looked like Brock yeah. Purdy doing a river dance. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> hey, uh, real quick, Dan, you didn't tell us about the concert you went to on Tuesday. Oh, man, I've discovered from going to Tuesday's concert that I'm becoming the old guy at concerts. Really? I remember I remember that day when I was the old guy. Yeah, oh, man. Here. Of course, you know, I was there with the lady, so it's not like I was trying to pick up anybody or anything, you know, but there were a lot of, like, women with X's on their hands that couldn't drink yet because this the venue I was at has full stock liquor and, uh, and, and beer and everything, anything you wanted. So it was, in that aspect, it's a really great venue. It's called the Fillmore. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, but there were so many young people that it just made me feel like uh this is really this is close to the end for me on concerts because i'm just i'm almost out of place now yeah fuck that so if you're having a good time enjoying the music don't worry about the people around you is what i say but i i yeah. I, I i stopped 
enjoying concerts just because of the fucking noise. And, you know, and, and most people around me are not listening to the music. They just want to sing along. So I'm, I'm like sitting next to a fat lady and she's fucking singing louder than the lead singer. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> Berlisma says, fuck that, Dan. If you love the music, fuck the haters. That, yeah. that should be the same way. Well, I mean, I, I guess that's true, but, you know, you, you still see the environment and it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no, you can't, I mean, time just keeps going, you know, and sure. their kids born in like 2010, like when the bears were in the championship game that are at that show now that are like mm -hmm. 14 and 15 or whatever, right? man, it just, that's, that was the first time I really, I mean, I went to Miley Cyrus once with my ex-wife and I fell out of place there just because of the demographic. But this was a metal show, you know, so, and, I, and there were still so many young people. That was the first time I really felt like, oh, I'm the old guy now. Let me ask you, Dan, when, uh, if you attended concerts in a small venue with a metal band. That's what I was at. I mean, this oh, probably, okay, so this probably held 5,000 people, maybe three thirty five hundred. It okay. was a very nice venue, though. Uh, but yeah, it was a smaller, it wasn't, you know, it was, it's February. So the amphitheaters aren't open yet. You know, it's, it's cold, even though that we're, we're going through a period of warmth here right now. Uh, like we're, we're going to get 60 tomorrow. So in North Carolina is even hotter than us. So yeah, 60 here today. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, I was fortunate to not drive in or be in bad weather along the, uh, the way, but yeah, yeah, it was a smaller venue and, uh, but it, nice venue, but yeah, the younger people were there, man. That's. That's the story. And there was one drunk woman who was very, very sexy, by the way. But the lady I was with, she kept getting in her face and she was like, oh, I can taste her breath. Her, her breath is so bad where she's been drinking. Yeah. And like she kept either hitting me with her elbow, her purse, or grinding on me with her ass. Now, look, the first time she grinded on me with her ass, okay, I'm a guy. I liked it. I'm not going to lie. She's fucking yeah. hot. But like time 17 or 18, I'm thinking if I did this to you, I'd be a sex offender. Yeah. Like, fuck off, man. Yeah. So, but I mean, you kind of expect that sometimes. So that's not like that ruined my experience, but if I could change things, I'd, I'd like that woman to be a little bit more sober and leave me alone. But yeah, uh, yeah just the, the age discrepancy though, really hit me hard Tuesday. Yeah. You're entering that phase that Tooch and I have been in for a little while now. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yep. Yep. The middle-aged wow. man. The middle-aged man. Hey, you know, HBO, I know we're going to get back to sports, but HBO had a show that lasted like two years I thought was really good uh, about 20 years ago, and they just stopped it. It canceled like on a cliffhanger called The Mind of the Married Man. Mm, and it was cool. all about the middle-aged man and... The guy was married, so like you know, he's not trying to fuck other women, but man, he's looking. Like you know, tearjerker, although. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. For well, all there used to be, there used to be, there still is a movie that was done. I think in the early seventies, used to play on WGN a lot, and I would watch it. Like it would play at ten thirty, uh, a number of times. It was called A Guide to the Married Man, and the premise was that this guy Walter Matthau was wanted to cheat on his wife and so he got help from his neighbor and best friend on all of the steps you take to successfully cheat on your wife and get away with it and so it was all celebrities in these different vignettes so for instance 
There's uh, Joey Bishop, who was a famous talk show host from the 60s and 70s and was a rat packer and stuff. He's caught in bed with a sexy girl, and his wife walks in, and she says, Joey, what are you doing? And he immediately gets up and starts dressing, and the, the hot chick starts putting on her clothes, and he goes, what are you talking about? What am I doing? You're in bed with her! What are you talking about, sweetheart? And he go, leaves the bedroom, sits down, lights up his pipe. You were having sex with her in our bed. He goes, sweetheart, you mind make, making me a martini? He completely ignores her and denies, denies, denies. And so there's all of these funny vignettes and with all of these gorgeous chicks. I can't tell you as a 13, 14-year-old how many times I masturbated to this movie. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> you got to check it out. We'll look for it. A Guide for the Married Man. I wonder if that HBO show is based on it. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tooch, you, know, you have a Bear State of Affairs for us? Yeah, and you know, before I, I launch into uh, Bear State of Affairs, we did that uh, the last show before I went on vacation. Mm -hmm. And someone in the chat room uh, said, I carried this with me on the whole vacation because it was a great time. <laughs> was said, this is the best uh, version of uh, like 100 Proof is with us three. Oh, wow. You know, nice. It really validated like all the work that us three do. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was like, before I went on vacation, I, I don't remember who the comment was, too. That's the, the sad thing. But I carried <laughs> yeah. it with me. I was like really proud, you know, for the whole yeah. for the We're whole good. trip. So it's good well, to be back. And I read over and over again great comments about uh, Bear State of Affairs. Can't wait for the next Bear State of Affairs. This State of Affairs rocked and stuff. So lots of kudos to you. Why don't you uh, take it away, sir? <laughs> Bear state of affairs. Thank God I'm not mute. Aldo caught the muting disease from me. I think he's passed it on to him. Uh, Bear state of affairs. Twenty. As soon as your background changed, when you got Mikowski's yeah, man cave, yeah, exactly. the mute, the mute never happened after that. It, it passed. I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry right. to interrupt. Go ahead. We're looking forward to what you have to say here. All right. 2024 NFL offseason week four. What's happening, Barflies? Well, I am back from vacation. A lot of shit happened while I was gone, including the Packers and Lions being eliminated from the playoffs, which means we don't have to listen to any NFC North Super Bowl talk this offseason. But it does serve as a reminder of how the NFC North has improved over the past year. As always, the Bears have a lot of work to do this offseason. They got going on that very quickly by hiring both their offensive and defensive coordinators. I took care of the offense when they hired Shane Waldron former offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks to replace Luke Getze. Waldron will be tasked with improving the offense and developing whichever quarterback the Bears decide to go with. More on that later. Waldron brings with him quarterbacks coach Kerry Joseph. Both men have been credited with the late career renaissance of Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith. Just don't ask Seahawks wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba what he thinks of Waldron. As well, the Bears hired former Buffalo Bills defensive line coach and assistant head coach Eric Washington to be their new defensive coordinator. Washington has coached in the league for over 15 years and is coming back to the place where it all started, having begun his NFL coaching career with the Bears as a defensive assistant. He was promoted the defensive line coach in 2010, the position he spent the most time at as a coach. Washington then spent seven years with the Panthers 
in that same role before being promoted to defensive coordinator for the 2018-2019 seasons. It was with the Bills from 2020 until this past season and is now back with the Bears in a more prominent role, filling the vacancy left by Allen Williams after Williams resigned last September. Though Eric Washington holds the title of defensive coordinator, he won't be calling plays on game days. That responsibility still remains with head coach Matt Eberflus, leaving Bears fans with the question, why do we always have to have head coaches who still feel the need to call all the plays? Can't we just have a coach who wants to be the head coach? We seem to have more success with guys like that. The Bears defense was at its best when it was generating turnovers, and they did that at a very high rate in the latter half of the season. If Eric Washington can get the Bears' pass rush tuned up and the Bears add a quality edge rusher in the draft or in free agency, the Bears will be in good shape within the division. In addition to Washington and Waldron, the Bears are also expected to hire Chris Beattie as their wide receivers coach. Beattie was with the Los Angeles Chargers as their wide receivers coach last season and also coached Bears receiver DJ Moore at the University of Maryland. The Bears are still looking to fill their running backs coach position Though it appears likely that former Seahawks running backs coach Chad Morton will follow Waldron from Seattle to the Bears. Tonight, three former Bears players are awaiting news of their induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Devin Hester, Steve McMichael, and Julius Peppers. If all three make it into the Hall of Fame, that would bring the total number of former Bears in the Hall of Fame to 40. Best of luck, fingers crossed. And former Bears running back Michael Hicks has passed away at the age of 51. Hicks was drafted in the seventh round, 253rd overall by the Bears in the 1996 draft. He played two seasons for the team, appearing in seven games, carried the ball 31 times for 106 yards, and caught one pass for one yard. And Dan Aguirre is the only person who remembers him. Well, it's Super Bowl week, and Super Bowl 58 is set, with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs making a return to the big game to defend their crown. They'll face off against the 49ers in Las Vegas on Sunday, with Mahomes making his third Super Bowl appearance in the last four years. And because it seems like an opportune time, I'd like to take this moment to again remind folks that the barkeeper and myself both wanted Patrick Mahomes in 2017. We'll never know what could have been. But that's really not what's on the mind of Bears fans around the world. The Bears face arguably their most difficult offseason decision in the franchise's long history. That decision revolves around arguably the most important position in all of sports, the quarterback position. For the second straight season, the Bears hold the number one overall pick. Last season, you'll remember they traded the number one pick for a draft haul that also netted them a true number one wide receiver, DJ Moore. They passed on quarterback last season. Will they pass on quarterback again? That's the decision that Ryan Poles and the Bears face. I call it decision gate. <laughs> yeah, decision gate. Seems like <laughs> good, uh, a good title. I hope Dan likes that title, decision gate. Ever, ever since Nixon, everything's gate. Everything. <laughs> right, decision gate for the Bears. Right. Dick gate. Dad's dick. <laughs> yeah, my dick. <laughs> Man. <laughs> That's great. What do the Bears do? Keep Fields or draft Caleb Williams? Fields is a locker room favorite with NFL experience. He's got new coaches to help him develop, we think. And like last season, Ryan Poles could get a major draft haul. Or does Poles draft a quarterback like Caleb Williams, who might have Mahomes-like potential? You know, it's almost painful to witness the mistreatment of someone like Justin Fields. 
who has exemplified leadership, selflessness, and unparalleled work ethic. Ever since the Bears drafted Fields, he has been unfairly criticized and underappreciated. Fields truly deserved a better offense and a better coaching staff around him. Unfortunately, the Bears never quite figured out how to unlock his potential. Now that the Bears have the number one overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft, does this, along with other factors, ultimately hint at Fields' time ending as a Bear? Literally, the only argument that can be made is not paying Justin Fields. That's why I say this will be the hardest decision of Ryan Pohl's career. Mm-hmm. Develop what you have or develop a new quarterback who shares maybe the same weaknesses. Here's my take on the Bears quarterback options this offseason. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'll leave it up to polls. I don't care one way or another because I have no effect on the outcome. And, and ultimately, I'll still be a Bears fan either way. <laughs> polls, he's in a lose-lose situation. I really can't wait until Williams is off the board one way or another. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what the Bears do at quarterback, I am highly impressed with Justin Fields' mental makeup. This kid still likes and supports the Chicago Bears organization, as evidenced by his recent posts on Instagram. Fields also hits the like button on Caleb Williams' posts and shows him support online. Yeah. Justin Fields just wired differently. I respect that. Mm-hmm. Even though someone in the chat room right now is typing, but he can't read a defense or he holds the <laughs> ball, ball too long. hey you got some supporters (laughs) Justin Justin Fields is still the quarterback who took a vicious hit and did push-ups afterwards to show the world that he wasn't beaten he's still the quarterback who stayed at his locker room long after everyone had left because he didn't bring the fans a win that day He's still the quarterback of the Bears, and I will support him as long as he's the quarterback of my favorite football team. I've come to one conclusion. There's one thing I know. Bears fans don't deserve Justin Fields. We deserve someone like Tyson Bagent, a lovable backup quarterback, like so many other lovable Bears backup quarterbacks whom Bears fans always seem to think are better than the starter. Quarterbacks like Steve Walsh, Mike Tomzak. Or fans like Steve and me. Kyle Orton, Shane Matthews, Brian Greasy, Caleb Haney, Nick Foles, and Josh McCown. Be careful what you wish for. The grass always looks greener until the snow kills it and you have to start all over again. And that is Bears, State of the Fair. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Nicely done there, Johnny Satchel. Coming Very back, nice. making a splash. Coming back. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I was cracking was... myself up, though. <laughs> you were. You were once, there once, all, once, once Aldo starts laughing, I'm finished. You know? <laughs> there was a tear coming down your left eye. <laughs> Look, it's still there. <laughs> I was, uh, Good I was stuff, uh, la- laughing pretty hard there. <laughs> By the way, uh, as people were asking me about this movie, A Guide to the Merry Men, I found that clip. There's on YouTube, nice. there's a clip. I want to play just a little bit of it so you can get kind of a sense of uh, how do I do this? Let's see. Um, yeah, I got it now. The art and science of cheating, according to a guide to the married man. 
Where? There with her. Who? Her. How could you? What? That. When? When I came in. You... <laughs> who? <laughs> you know very well who that that woman there. Where? Charlie. What? You and that woman. What woman? Deny, deny, deny. Charlie? What? What would you like for dinner? <laughs> I can tell you, having been married uh, three times, that, that deny, deny, deny theory doesn't always work. It works sometimes, but not, not often enough. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, we were talking about the Hall of Famers. Uh, before we start talking about Steve McMichael, do you have any thoughts about Devin Hester that you want to share? I know that I think on one of the comments that you listed underneath that it was your favorite runback. I think it was the Super Bowl one and then an another game. Any other thoughts you want to share about uh, Hester? Man, there's no, been no one like him, you know, and no, no one since, you know. I can't think of anyone – recently who's just been more dangerous at that, you know, kick returner position. So, I mean, if he doesn't make it in, something's wrong. I know it's his third try. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we should find out tonight. Like, uh, if, Not tonight. Uh, if, yeah, for three. And then, you know, of course, uh, uh, the ceremonies, what, uh, Saturday or Sunday? Sunday before the game? or um, Yeah, Sunday before the game, I believe. Sunday before the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, just uh, it was amazing. It was, I mean – being a fan when Devin Hester was on the team oh, was so we're off, we're, Guys were off the air. What? I, apparently, I played that clip for too long, and so YouTube has uh, created a it copy. Booted of us? Yeah. Uh, uh, fuck. So what does that mean for the rebroadcast of the show? Uh, it, it still will be available, and, and we should be back on the air in about 60 seconds or so. Okay. So... Um, I I knew it. I was running it a little too long. I should have gone with my instinct and stopped it. <laughs> People are leaving. No, don't go. Tooch is finally yeah. busted for stealing that background. Aaron Mikulski reported us, huh? I don't think it's a reporting. I think it's an algorithm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, I, uh, this this whole Caleb Williams and. Justin Fields thing is like I've I've had enough, you know. As I said, bear state of affairs. I don't care anymore, mm -hmm. you know. It's I, I don't have any effect on it, anyways. You know, I, I recently I watched um, Matt Waldron and Mark Schofield. You know, uh, guys who've been on the barroom. Yes, uh, they did a Caleb Williams show, which I, I urge everyone to watch because I mean, if you if you didn't like Caleb Williams after the two uh, dissect him a little bit, I think you'll like him a little bit more. I mean, they definitely uh, – they like Caleb Williams a lot, those two. So, 
I mean, those are a couple guys that I enjoy listening to. Dan, we we have Mark Schofield on. Uh, I have a stream one time talking uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Yeah, we had, we had uh, Mark Schofield on to break down an episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. He's a huge fan. Absolutely. Yeah, Mark loves, uh, loves those fantasy shows and stuff. And uh, uh, Matt Waldron was on with Phil and Shane were here, you know, a few mm -hmm. times. Uh, I was on with, when Matt was on one time, too. Good, uh, great brain. I bear listen. I was a big fan of Matt Waldron, too. I want to, I'm checking to see if we're still on, on Twitter and Facebook because sometimes that happens. Let's see. Yeah, a little wasted or Marty Feldman. He's with me on this one. He said he can't yeah. take two, two more months of it. You know, I, I, I'm sure Dan probably had enough of it too. I mean, for, for, I mean, Dan, Dan and Aldo and I, we, we have a soft spot in our hearts for uh, Justin Fields because, uh, we appreciate guys like that that are team players, you know, and like all the time we've watched the Bears play. I mean, Justin Fields, by all accounts, whether or not he's done it on the field or not, off the field and uh, with the fans, he's done everything right. You know, he's supported uh, the Bears. He's been a model citizen, doesn't get into trouble, works his ass off, and uh, I respect that. You know, I, I want the kid to succeed, and I, I have a – like Dan, I have a feeling that eventually uh, uh, Justin Fields is going to go somewhere and he's going to be like, you know, have a, have a great uh, career somewhere else with uh, someone that understands uh, what they've got to do to unlock that. Yeah. Well, and I, and I just think that, you know, um, he's going to continue to grow. You know, mm -hmm. it, what we have seen these first three seasons is is not anything close to what we will eventually see when he matures into a quarterback. And I think Berlissimo yeah. brought up a couple of really good points earlier on. By the way, we yeah. are still live on Twitter and on Facebook, and hopefully YouTube. People want to know about my dick, Aldo. We have to be live. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and you know, um, I, I was uh, <laughs> I was in the chat room on Sean's uh, show yesterday, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, someone in the chat room on Sean Higgs' show was like, can't wait for bears bear their souls to come back. I was like, damn, this is not even a, a bear show. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, a gambling show. So I don't know who uh, one of the chat room folks was in there too. And uh, uh, all that stuff really makes me feel good. You know, Dan and Aldo just mm -hmm. uh, uh, having the, having the chat room guys, you know, support us. Uh, we're getting a couple of people who are upset with TTNL. They love Caleb Williams and they talk so much about Caleb Williams. They've given up on Justin yeah. Fields, you know, and Hey, they're, they're entitled to their opinion. I will just say that, you know, yeah. they, they were happy when the bears drafted Mitchell Trubisky and uh, Jose Cotto and myself, we stood our ground and said, we're not impressed by the tape. We were not impressed with who this kid is. We'll yeah. support him, but we just don't. And, but, they immediately started, you know, rooting for Mitchell Trubisky, and I found that really weird uh, because prior to the draft, they were upset. They were upset that the Bears were even being considered uh, drafting Trubisky. So everybody has their opinion, and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. All right, let's turn our attention to Steve Mongo McMichael, uh, who is also expected to be announced tonight as a inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oops, that's the wrong video. Oh, let me play this. You're, you guys ever see this moment where yes. he <laughs> – this is so. great. He takes on. He, he's doing the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley Field, and the Empire 
uh, Angel Hernandez was making some really bad calls, and he uh, McMichael says the following: Chicago. And don't worry, I'll have a, I'll have some speaks with that home plate umpire after the game. <laughs> <laughs> I won. I two. I three. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the ground. <laughs> Find me something to check, check, check. Three strikes, you're out in the old ball he got to love that. He's he's lucky, McMichael, to come out of that booth. No shit. <laughs> yep, uh, I can't believe Angel Hernandez is staring him down. Well, dude, what are you gonna do? He'll fucking kick your ass just by oh. staring at you. <laughs> yep, one hand tied behind his back. Yep, but um, so. Dan, you probably know, uh, and, and to jump in at any time, but what was the story with Steve McMichael? Because he wasn't the Bears draft pick. I think he was selected by the Patriots and then came to the yep. Bears. Is that correct? Yeah, he got, he got cut, right? Wasn't he like a yeah a training cut. camp casualty thing, and the Bears right. picked him up? And then he he just so many people don't know his stats and, and the impact that he had. Dude, he's getting season. 10 10 sacks a year as a fucking nose tackle. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing too, you have to understand like the Bears picked him up in 81. He didn't really become a starter until what 84, 85 right. maybe. Uh so cuz inside they had Hartenstein and uh let me think, Ed Hampton, Hartenstein, uh, this is before Perry, who uh, and Dent came in in '83, but he didn't start right away either. Who else am I forgetting? Then there was somebody. McMichael was the backup for a couple of years in Chicago. Yeah, what, uh, Wachter, Henry Wachter, Henry Wachter, Neil, uh, Tyrone Keys was another Tyrone one. Keys, yes, but yeah, so Mongo didn't even start until like around '84, five, six. And yeah, yeah, he was on Nitro. He was, the, he was with Ric Flair. He was the United States Heavyweight Champion. He got in really awesome shape when he was a wrestler after football, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, he he almost had a hundred sacks as a guy just playing up front. I mean, it'd be like today if you know, think about somebody in the middle, like up front today. That I mean, no, Akeem Hicks did pretty well for us, but I'm just saying you can't really imagine someone up front like. Dexter's going to have a hundred career sacks. You're like, nah, probably not. Probably not even 20. This dude had 95 up front in the middle and nose tackle. And it's like, and sometimes they would toy with him and put him in as a tight end on offense. Occasionally he would hold field goals. Randall Cunningham there. Yeah. (laughs) Just catching Randall Cunningham from behind. His statistics. (laughs) His statistics should have put him in the Hall of Fame. He retired after 94. He should have gone in in 99 or 2000. It's a shame that he had to get ALS to get people's attention. I know that's why he's being put in, and that fucking sucks because his resume says, I deserved it when I was a young man. But I'm glad he's still here and can witness it because I know how important it is to him. You remember, and I reached out to uh, Dan Pompey. And he confirmed that uh, Mongo knew what was going on and was, again, aware of everything. It wasn't just like, oh, Steve, you're in the Hall of Fame, and he just doesn't know. I mean, Pompey says he's very much aware. Good. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, man, I could cry talking about Mongo. You know, he he wasn't that big of a guy. You know, he was like 6'1", 275 maybe. Right, right. 
And he wasn't afraid of snakes. I am. I'm afraid of all snakes. I think (laughs) snakes are here. They've been sent from hell to kill me personally. But Mongo was a rattlesnake hunter. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. Do you think that McMichael would have had those numbers? Start with you first, Tooch. Those numbers in that high performance level, if he had, you know, stayed with the Patriots or played with another team, or do you think that he really benefited a lot? I know, for instance, Mike Singletary really benefited a lot from the defensive line and his outside linebackers. How much did McMichael benefit stat-wise from the fact that he was playing along so so many other great players? Denton and Dent, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, he benefited from Dent and guys like Dent. William Perry drew a lot of double teams, too. He's just so big. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, if he he wouldn't have had the numbers without being on that great the great Bears defenses of the eighties. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Dan? I mean, I, I'm just going to go with the numbers he had and say he should have been in the Hall of Fame. I don't mean to avoid your question, but right. I don't want to speculate if he could have got more or less. Like the dude was still doing it in like '93. I don't know. He had like eight or nine, ten sacks last year with the Bears when he was in his late thirties. Right. Right. See, what I'm trying to get at is I think McMichael, as Tooch said, you know, he wasn't the most athletic, wasn't the biggest, and so forth. The guy played with a certain heart that he probably could have had those kind of numbers with a terrible team or with a mediocre team or what whatever team because he was such a hard player. All you had to do is rev up that engine. If he, you know, he did it – mostly himself, but with the Bears, it helped that he was with a bunch of, uh, of uh, what was it, uh, that Otis Wilson would say, backyard dogs. Um, you know, it, it helped him, but McMichael had just so much pride in himself, and as a man, uh, he probably would have had a great career with just about any other NFL team. So, uh, you know, I, I just am in awe of the guy, and I'm so glad that he's finally getting the attention. As Dan Aguirre said, it's unfortunate that the ALS is probably the reason why there's a spotlight on him now, but at least he's alive and well enough to appreciate the honor that he's getting, and I hope that he can make it to Canton, Canton, Canton and appreciate the ceremonies. I want to send you a picture. I don't know if you can let sure. everybody see it, yeah. but it's a recent one. It's the best one I've seen of him in recent times, mm-hmm. but it's still in comparison. It makes you sad, but it's, uh, he's with Jim McMahon. Okay. And, uh, sure. I just sent it to you. Oh, I see it now. Let me download it. It'll just take a second or so, but you know, his, uh, let me see if I can just blow it up here. And the bears bought that chair for him, by the way. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so we should give them credit. I mean, they didn't have to. And they took care uh, a few years ago, you know, if they're tied in with Zach when he got hurt in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. They took care of his surgeries and made sure he had insurance. So the Bears do some good things, you know? Yeah, they do. You know, I I wish they would do more. But, yeah, this this is nice. And and they should, should definitely help out a guy who... Who knows? You know, and maybe in the future we'll learn if you know this football is may have contributed to these sicknesses certain athletes have now. But regardless, this is the photo. Dan was a uh, uh, he doesn't look bad at all there. Shit, I wish I was that thin. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he's had some some that I'll send you another one where you're just like, oh man, mm-hmm. like you again, you just want to cry. It's so mm-hmm. poor. Uh, 
but uh, stand by. I'm seeing it right now. Do you know when around this uh, photo with Jim McMahon was taken? Fall. Okay. Sometime in the fall. It was 23. Yeah, that's the thing with ALS, man. It can it can happen so fucking quick. Yeah, I've seen this picture before. This is a great one. Yeah, he he's... looks he looks actually happy here. Let me uh, uh, capture. He looks so oh, ill, me... though. I mean, it almost looks like he has no teeth. Yeah, I hear you. I I bet he doesn't. I bet he doesn't. I actually uh, donated to that organization that helps uh, ALS victims, partly because of him. The MLB has done a really good job of uh, raising money for ALS. So there's Steve. This looks like a, a more recent picture than the one with McMahon. God bless him and his family. Uh, his wife is doing such a wonderful job caring for him. I, I think she's getting help. Anyone would need help, you know, if taking care of a, a loved one with that kind of a disease. It's uh, got to be a fucking pain in the ass. All right, you guys uh, want to talk a little bit of Super Bowl because um, I have come up with a little game for us to play. And this is in honor of Johnny Santucci, who is one of the Barroom Network's greatest handicappers of all time. And I'm talking and putting him in there with the class of Mike North. So I looked at some prop bets and I thought, let me uh, get my notes out here. I'm going to take some notes and Keep tabs of kind of a Dan versus Tooch. I, I loaded some up too. Oh, good. All right, let's start with this one first. And people in the chat room, I know we lost a few people during our outage, uh, but whoever is still there, join in. Uh, coin toss. Do you think it's going to be heads or tails? What say you, Johnny Santucci? Man. <laughs> you got I'm going go, to go tails. <laughs> You're gonna go tails. What about you, Dan Aguirre? Can I change? Yeah, sure. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go heads in honor of Dan's wounded penis. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> are, you, are you doing the same, Dan? The kids always say tails never fails. All right. But I said that in Cleveland, and we lost the toss. So. <laughs> That's right, you did. But I'm gonna give tails to you, and then the next one I got is the who's gonna be the winner of that coin toss: the 49ers or the Chiefs? I'll say KC somehow ends up with the ball and they score a touchdown immediately. KC, okay. Now maybe that means San Francisco wins and they defer. Mm -hmm. But I, my, I'm predicting Mahomes gets the ball first and they score a touchdown. I, I agree with that. I was Anthony and I were talking about this today. We're talking about uh, some prop things about like the Chiefs scoring first and stuff like that. You know. Uh, uh, that that's a good bet. You know, I've got I've got some good prop bets. So I'll, we have a Super Bowl uh, show, show tomorrow, tomorrow, seven seven p.m. Central. Sean yeah. and Anthony, myself, will be talking prop prop bets and stuff. It's some of my favorite yeah. ones. I'm I'll definitely going to tune in. I'll get them out well, here tonight too. Excellent. Uh, who is the first team to call a timeout in the game? This is an interesting prop bet. 49ers or Chiefs? Dan, let me start with you on San this. Francisco, they're frustrated. Why can't we stop uh, Mahomes? Oh, we better yeah. call a timeout here on defense. Yep. <laughs> okay. Agree. You agree with that? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say San Francisco. Uh, I got uh, Johnny Santucci and Dan Aguirre. All right, next one is the first team to attempt a coach's challenge. Oh, oh, oh. 
Uh, Reed loves to make challenges. Does he? Yeah. I mean, they, they both do kind of, I guess. I I, I think I, I got to go with the 49ers, though, just because I, I, I think uh, the Chiefs will be ahead most of this game. But, I mean, the last two games, the Chiefs have – I mean, the 49ers have fell behind, both the Packers and the Lions. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I, I think Reed. Uh, it just seems like Mister Twenty Eight to Three would try not to call. I, I can't believe San Francisco's favored in this game. Yeah, that is stunning to me. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. All right, uh, Dan. All, all the money's on the Chiefs too. It's weird. Like eighty percent of the money's on eighty percent of the bets and. 80% of the money are on the Chiefs. So from you're a handicapper, so you would know why Vegas has is giving two points to the Chiefs. Why is that? Because they're getting points? Well, if I mean, the thing is, like, they they, they want you to take the Chiefs plus the points, Mahomes, you know? Maybe that – I mean, I would say maybe the – so what – what Vegas does is they, you know, they, they, they simulate the game tens of thousands of times, you know, mm -hmm. and that's how they usually get their numbers and predictions and stuff. Oh, know? okay. It's super computer. So uh, they have a bunch of, a bunch of dudes, you know, like a, a, a group of guys who kind of, uh, uh, you know, re analyze all the data and come up with lines, you know, it's like a, I thought it was more based on trying to get the bait, the bets even. Trying to get, you know, yeah. Uh, well, they will, yeah. The, the yeah, same amount of what, betting the for more, the Chiefs and 49ers. The more bets that come in, the the line moves, you know, to uh, right. to give uh, the sports books, you know, uh, the edge. You know, they're always mm -hmm. trying to get the edge no matter what. But I, I imagine they, they and they, they're successful right now. They're they gave the. Uh, they gave the Chiefs uh, points to get people to take Mahomes and the points, you know? Interesting. So, okay. But, I mean, last time they did it with Brady, they gave Brady the points, and right. Brady went out and beat Mahomes. You know, so uh, a, a lot of people should, rightly so, should be saying, I'll take points and Mahomes and points. Mm -hmm. You know, because back then I took the Buccaneers, uh, gave me seven points with Brady, you know? So, yeah, back then I took it. But, uh, uh, you know, I – Usually, uh, when all the money's on one side, you know the, and it, it's not always this way, but you know, I, I would say uh, there's a strong chance that San Francisco could win this game with all the money on the Chiefs. Interesting, Dan Aguirre. Do you know what an octopus is when it relates to uh, football? No. It is when a player scores a touchdown and the two point conversion. It happened for the first time last season. Jalen Hurts scored a touchdown and then scored a two-point conversion. It's being called an octopus. So the question is, the prop bet is, will we see an octopus this season? Any player from any team? You mean in the Super Bowl? In yeah. the Super Bowl. No. Yes. Octopus? No. Dan That's, says no. I'm going to say yes because of the tush push. You know? Yeah. But that would mean Mahomes scores. Mahomes but scores. But is he going to catch then... on one of those bullshit Nagy plays then? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Or they just they just run it in, you know, like quarterback push. You know? <laughs> or or it could be like McCaffrey take score and then, then they go for two and they push. Exactly. McCaffrey exactly. In, you know. Exactly. Debo Samuel, catch a pass. Yeah. And then Debo Samuel with a little, you know, pitch on the two-point conversion. 
Be interesting. So I got yep. a no for Dan and a yes for Johnny Santucci. All right. This is a really, really tough one, guys. We'll either kick or hit the crossbar or upright on a field goal or extra point. No, What's they're indoors. Name? They're indoors. Yes. So it's not going to happen, huh? Crossbar. Well, I mean, look, one, one team has a good kicker. The other team does not have a good kicker. Right. In this game. And Harrison, Harrison Bucker is a really good kicker. Jake he, Moody is, is, is a rookie from Michigan. I mean, he's supposed to be good. He just hasn't been that good in his rookie year. I mean, he's been mm -hmm. passable. But uh, Edge goes to Kansas City for as far as field goal kicking. All right. So what's your answer on this, yes or no? You, we're going to see the, that any one of the kickers hit the crossbar or the upright? I got Dan for a no. I'll, probably, I'll go no. It's The odds probably are against that. I would agree with that. Are we going to see Jason Kelsey shirtless? Because yes, we... <laughs> you didn't even think about that one, Dan. <laughs> and you're going to see Taylor more than five times. Okay, she'll, oh. she'll be at the game, huh? Uh, yeah. She is flying in from Japan on her private jet to see the game, and so of course conservatives are upset, saying, "Are you going to waste all that fucking fuel when you're talking about?" Climate change and stuff. <laughs> they have a good point, right? Tooch, uh, uh, are we going to see Jason with uh, his titties out? I'd say there's a pretty good chance. <laughs> okay. You no, know, especially if the Chiefs win. You know, yeah, I'd say exactly. it's 100%. You know, I think the odds are in favor of seeing J Jason. If, uh, if, if the Chiefs win, I won't have to work all night. I know that. Last year, I, I worked from like after the Super Bowl till 6 a.m. Oh. By like 6 a.m., I was like on my keyboard like this, man. Like, I bet you were. <laughs> so tired. All right. Here's a tough one. Uh, who will mention pop singer Taylor Swift first after the coin toss? Will it be Jim Nance or Tony Romo? Or simultaneously. Wow. They both say it. And they're going to show a cutaway of her there a, a numerous times. So which one's going to say it first? I'll yes. say Nance because he, in theory, is the lead guy. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would say, too. He talks a little more. And Romo's just the color. Interesting. Interesting. I, I got a feeling it's going to be Tony because he just gushes over her. I mean, you know, like he has like called said, them. He said that they were married numerous times during the season. Yeah, called them spouses and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. Wasn't uh, Tony Romo involved in some uh, with some celebrity, and he was the like the center? Was it uh, what was the name of that uh, blonde? Jessica he, Simpson. Jessica Simpson. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Right. Yeah. He was yeah. involved with her. And so, for some reason, he he seems to be fixated on Taylor Swift this season. Maybe he wants to marry her. Anyway, after the opening kickoff, which commercial will we see first? Will we see a Doritos commercial or a Bud Light commercial? Bud Light is spending big-time bucks because they want to try to get that Rust Belt uh, Southern uh, uh consumer back after having that transgender lady and 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 kid rock shooting <laughs> with his machine gun bud light cans and stuff or will it be doritos which has for year after year been a big spender on advertising ads what do you say van aguirre i thought coors was the main uh, uh beer for the super bowl this year 
It, it may be, but I know that Bud Light is spending big fucking time money on ads this season. I'm going to go with Doritos uh, in the first quarter. I think mm-hmm. the beer beer seems to be more of a later in the game kind of thing, right? Unless it was like the horses at Budweiser in like the 70s. But the drinking is probably not going to be at 640 before Doritos. What do you say, uh, Tooch? Uh... I'm going to say this guy. <laughs> do, you, do you remember this guy? Yeah, he didn't he do Doritos commercials years yeah. ago? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's my answer. I like it. I love that guy when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember his name because he was in a lot of sitcoms. He was like a comedian, yeah, comedic actor. I don't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the final one, I got 10 here, and I've been keeping track of your guys' scores, and whoever has the most correct answers, I'm going to send a, a present Avery to. Avery Schreiber. A.V. Schreiber, that's him. Avery Schreiber. Schreiber yes, yeah. indeed. Um, I, I remember him on episodes of Love American Style and some of those old mm-hmm. shows that I shouldn't be remembering. Anyway, uh, who will win the Super Bowl? The final question, 49ers or the Chargers? Go ahead. Chargers? Well, that's Super Bowl uh, 29. <laughs> And 49ers. Oh, the, char- the 49ers and Chargers. Junior Sale, the late Junior Sale, still alive, folks. <laughs> Breaking news Justin Herbert surprised to learn he's playing this Sunday. Or Herbert wasn't alive yet during Super Bowl 29. He was born in like 98. That The game was in 90, January 95. <laughs> oh, all right. 49ers or Chiefs? What do you say, guys? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take Kansas City. I mean, I'm rooting for San Francisco. I don't, not that I like the 49ers, but I loathe the Chiefs. But I mean, if I'm betting my mortgage here, I'm saying KC probably wins big. Mm-hmm. What do you say, uh, Mr. Johnny Santu? I, I, I think they can't. I mean, it's hard to bet against Mahomes, like I said, but uh, the 49ers will win and make me work all night. So that's, you know, if the mm-hmm. 49ers win. I have to stay up all night working. Do you get paid extra? No. Then fuck it, man. Chiefs all the way. <laughs> Let's go, Chiefs. <laughs> I agree. I think the can I think it's actually going to be a blowout. Uh, Chiefs are going to win really easily. You know, remember we went through uh, several years of just awful Super Bowl games. I think this is going to be one of those. So uh, Chiefs will win, and we'll know it. By have a, a lot of good players. I mean, the, the 49ers have a lot of good players. Oh, they Cassidy, do. Yes. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's some really good offensive players, you know, but the Chiefs yeah. have a good defense, you know, uh, a really good secondary, too, on the Chiefs. And, um, you know, you watch out for Chris Jones in the middle there putting pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. 49ers defense hasn't been as good in the latter half of the season, man. They've give, given up a ton of points. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know what the Ravens were thinking when they, they, the Chiefs are the worst run defense of the four final final four teams. They didn't run the ball at all. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, uh, Matt Nagy was their offensive coordinator. You know, I got to think that Todd Monk and the Ravens offensive coordinator probably isn't in that position next season. I mean, it's like right. yeah, attack the weakness. They're Baltimore was the number one rushing offense in the NFL last season. And they don't run the ball against one of the worst twenty fifth overall run defense. Yep. They didn't. They didn't do it at all. They fell behind and made Lamar Jackson pass and 
That's yep, a great Chiefs, point. Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. It's a great, great point. This could be a Super Bowl where we'll see either Johnny Pacheco or Christian McCaffrey, you know, win the MVP award uh, because yeah. one of That's those That's your guy, although will... Isaiah Pacheco. Oh, my gosh. He's a tough I, runner, man. Man, Puerto Rican guy from dude, the island. Tough. Yeah, yeah. tough. He runs really, really well. Yeah, really I does, want the man. Bears to get a find a Isaiah Pacheco to a speedster who is, is a big play yeah. back. You know, we just we haven't had one for I, a long time. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears draft one running back. You know, I, I in fact I I put like ninety percent chance of them drafting a running back mm-hmm. just because I do figure Dante Foreman's not back. That's six yeah, exactly. two two hundred and thirty five pound guy that's going to be gone. If Khalil exactly. Herbert. It's, and, it's uh, his last contract, contract. Herbert's yeah. uh, last contract year, so they got to start thinking about it's, you know life after it, Herbert. It, I, I was reading today somewhere like uh, like it, the the average salary for running backs is so low they're like they're like behind kickers now, field goal kickers. You know the only uh, uh, NFL player position that gets paid less than running backs is punter. That's not on, fair. on, on average. Yeah. You know, and rookie rookie running backs make more than veteran running backs on free agent contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, except for like the real big, yeah, big stars and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I tell you, I mean, like, there was a couple things going on. People who always say uh, uh, Justin Fields, you know, they they just disagree that he hasn't had anything around him. You know, imagine if Justin Fields had a star running back like a Christian McCaffrey, exactly, you know, taking pressure off of him. And here here's a stat. I don't know if you saw this, like. No wide receiver since week two scored a touchdown besides DJ Moore last season. I'm not sure. I didn't fact check it, but uh, Mm -hmm. only DJ Moore was a wide receiver after week two. Who's the only guy from wide receiver position that scored a touchdown for the? I can't think of anyone, Dan. Can you think of anyone? Uh, Because clearly, you know, uh, Chase Claypool scored against Kansas City. That was week two, right? Week three. Okay, so Chase Claypool, okay. he scored a touchdown in Kansas Week two, okay. with, no, but maybe he scored against Tampa in week two. Oh, yes, I think it was Tampa. You're right. You're yeah, right. I don't think he made the the KC trip. I think that was the first week he was yeah. jettisoned home or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to even – I don't even want to go back to this. Hey, I wonder what Don Burr did have to say about the NFC Championship game. Well, speaking yeah. of Don Burr. He hasn't um, been here. I wanted to show you guys something. I was hoping Don Burr would be in attendance to comment on this. I got a three-minute clip. I probably won't play the whole thing, but this is uh, Lions general manager Don uh, Don Burr, uh, uh, Brad Holmes, really going after the media in a passive-aggressive way about his draft picks. Listen to some of this, and then we'll talk on the other end. But when you look back at those picks, and those picks were not welcomed by many in this room. You know, Dave, you want us to pick quarterback. You didn't want us to pick Panay Sewell. You know, people didn't want us to wait till the fourth round to draft a wide receiver. People didn't want to wait on a Derek Barnes to develop. But every single move was intentional and was made with intention. You know, back in 2021, we did not have multiple ones. We did not have multiple twos. We did not have four picks in the first 100, you know. Now, we did have that. And we use those wisely. You guys didn't agree, but we use those picks wisely. But we didn't have – we had one extra pick in 2021. We had a comp third. That was Iffy Melifonu. Carlos, I know you said that that was a miss. 
but that was the only extra. That was the only extra pick. So what I'm saying is, that's not required to sustain what we built going forward. So, um, how does it make you feel when you make a decision that isn't well received by everybody, but still standing on your two toes and going forward? I mean, just making everybody decisions. or you included. No, I mean just anybody. I ain't really have. Like, <laughs> I, I ain't say too much today and deal with they jokes. <laughs> but just going forward and picking those. Small so thing is. That's not a criticism. I'm just saying. I mean, it seems like you're enjoying it a little bit. No, it, no. It's, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I'm big on accountability, you know, and. Uh, he goes on. What do you guys think about that? Two, two, your, your thoughts first. Uh, man, I, I was loading up something because I had something for Don Boer. Ah, oh, you weren't listening. Half, half listening. I had, I had something for Don Burr. I, well, he's not even here anyway. I go know. ahead, Dan. Go ahead. I've, uh, you know, over the years, I uh, the last, over the I last lo- season. I love, what he, I love what he was saying, though. The basic idea of how you guys say, "Oh, you don't want to do this." All right, right all right, Dan Aguirre. Dan Aguirre. <laughs> you know, I've always said that he was like Detroit's, their Ditka, right? But I remember, like, when Ditka lost to Washington the second time, Ditka said, "We're not good enough." We thought we were, but we're not good enough. That means me too. None of we were not good enough as an organization today. We should have won, but we didn't. They are a better team. They deserve it. And juxtapose that with Don or not Don, uh, with Dan Campbell, who's saying, "No, I don't regret any of the moves I made whatsoever." And and I'm just sitting there thinking that Mel Bravado shit about how you can't admit that you're wrong. You know, that's the kind of shit that loses the team to me. Like when you have that big of a lead and everyone knows you're the reason they lost, there's no way around it. Your coaching decisions lost that game. Like I could see them like, you know, the Super Bowl Bears finished 79 in 07. You know, I could see them being a big disappointment this year because you lose the team when you, when everyone knows that your coaching decisions made it, made the re- the reason you lost and you're not man enough to own up to that. I could see the Lions being a big disappointment in 2024. Uh, All right. So none of you guys want to answer my question. I, I have an opinion on Holmes. I thought that was kind of low class of him to go after the media. Yeah. Okay. You want to point out, you know, a lot of these people, you people in the, in the room. That's their job to be critical. Right. Yeah. You say it once, and, but it? don't continue to come back to it. And it's like he was really fucking enjoying Twisting the titties of every one of those reporters. Now, in Detroit, because I I followed Detroit media fairly closely, at least for a Chicago Bears fan, there are some dickheads there. There, there's one guy, a Hispanic guy over at Detroit Free Press. He, I mean, he he can't even spell his name correctly. I don't know why the fuck he's still employed years and years and years. And his columns about the Lions and stuff are just plain bullshit. So I wouldn't have minded if Brad Holmes were just focused on that guy. But to to call out the entire room like that, I thought was low class. And as Dan Aguirre just said, I expect this team to implode next season. Even yeah. Danny Campbell said, you know, we have no guarantees we'll be back to this championship game. game. Yeah, you just fucking helped that. You helped it with your poor, poor calls, your poor decision-making during the games, and you helped it also by admitting that you might not be back in the post-game conference, planting that doubt in your players' minds as opposed to saying, fuck it, we're going to be back next season and we're going to kick ass, print it. That's what he should have said as opposed to fucking crying in his soup 
because the they, they blew that big lead. This Lions team is like Dan said, not well coached. And now they, they've proven to me that they've got a egomaniac as their GM who wants credit for his draft picks. Fuck him. Fuck Dan Campbell and fuck all of Detroit. And you know, Durant. it's like, even if you're like, if you stand up there and say, okay, I stand by not going for those field goals. Okay. On third and goal, you cannot run David Montgomery or anybody. I'm not, it's not because it's Montgomery. You have to, it's got to be a passing play. Because if you don't score, you have to waste your time out, and now you have to go onside. And your chances of losing the game probably quadrupled at that juncture. So, And if you kick the field goal, then you tie it at the end. You've tied it right there. If you kick both field goals, you fucking win right there. But at the very least, on third and goal, you pass the ball, and you have all three of your timeouts, and you can kick the ball deep. Yep, He exactly. just can't kick a field goal, Dan Campbell. You remember well, Aldo? We said point. that he still went for two when he was back from twelve yards. When, when Aldo and I saw the uh, Lions at Soldier Field in twenty one, we, we, the Bears won that day, and we we looked at each other and said, if that fucking guy would kick field goals instead of going for fourth down, we'd have probably lost. We would have lost. No doubt. He foregoed like what three or four chip shot field goals that day. Exactly three of them. Yes, and yes. the Bears People easily were defending that decision too by saying his kicker wasn't that good. There was a low percentage shot from forty something yards with his kicker and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I I'm with you. I, this is what I was loading up for Don Burr, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm waiting. I'm waiting a couple weeks for this. <laughs> Save for See. If the, if we were doing this show in 2010, and the Bears lost to the Packers, we'd all still been here. Yep. You know, even though it was monumentally disappointing, and the Bears lost 21-14, and Green Bay goes on to win the Super Bowl, it's dreadful. Anytime Detroit loses, even if it's in the regular season, this fucking guy doesn't show up. Yeah. And and has the audacity to then talk shit when he comes back. Yeah. Come on, Don. I love it when you're here, but you got to be here when you guys lose too. Not just throwing throwing you know your balls against our face. I got to be honest with you. I I I have a couple of San Francisco people that I, like my sister's been a she jumped on the Montana bandwagon and has been a 49er fan for 35 for years. Awesome. But I'm so I was happy for a couple of people specifically when San Fran won, but I'm not going to lie, I was rooting for Detroit. Even though I'm a Bears fan, just because again, it's just like, well, fuck, man, they've never been there. Yeah. Like, like I, I could have rooted for Minnesota. I could never root for Green Bay, though. Even if they're yeah. playing Kansas City, I couldn't root for Green Bay. <laughs> never. I, I wasn't rooting for either team. Uh, you know, if the Lions were in the Super Bowl, I'd be envious, but I wouldn't be upset about it. And, and frankly, I'm the same way about the Packers. I don't like the Packers, but if they go to the Super Bowl, I'm not going to fucking lose any sleep over it. I'm going to oh, hate the God. fact that I'm going to hate the fact that you know now they're going with Jordan Love and the curse is going to continue. No, that, I don't think that. But the the tape catches up to people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Think about this. Let me throw this scenario oh, at you. After one, you know, he has one year. Look what Nagy did in 2018, and by 19, the league could he couldn't do anything. Exactly. So. Who's to say Jordan Love, who's going to get a, a fat, big-ass contract now because he's already in year four, going into year five or whatever, they're going to re-sign him. There's a chance like the, the tape catches up to him and he's mediocre moving forward. You know what, uh, Dan? I 100% I agree with that. I, I totally expect that at least in the first half, 
of the 2024 season that Jordan Love is going to get off to a really ugly, sad. And he remember he lost the, the game with the pick. Yes. In San Francisco. Imagine if that was Justin Fields. Oh my gosh. Well, forget about it. You know, you would have been roasted and toasted like uh, Stephen Mead likes to roast and toast them. But, uh, here's here's the thing about Jordan Love is he was wildly inaccurate in certain games. I mean, he would miss wide receivers so open. I think some of that is going to return as this Packers offense, as you said, Dan, is figured out more by defensive coordinators. Plus, David Bakhtiari's career is over. I know he didn't play much in 2023 to begin with, but that guy is is going to be an important loss in the future as they have uh, Packers have a lot of free agency issues with off, the offensive linemen that return. They basically have to rebuild that offensive line. That's not going to help Jordan Love uh, either. So I, I I think Jordan Love is going to have a tough start to the season. Whereas with the Bears, hopefully with all the draft assets they have and, and a smart general manager making some trades and maybe picking up a couple of really good veterans, the Bears should get off to a, a fast start. That's where my heart is right now. Um, all right. So I wanted to share that with you regarding uh, uh, homes. And then I want to, I know, uh, Dan, you got to leave in 10 minutes. I want to share, we were talking about commercials Here's a preview of one of the commercials that you will see during the game. Introducing the most powerful Tacoma ever. Shut the front With door. the shut the front door handle. Also known as the seriously wrong seriously handle. Or the whoa, 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 whoa handle. And even the no me gusta handle. Standard on the all-new Toyota. I like that. The no me gusta. <laughs> That's what uh, a lot of my friends were texting me when they heard the start of the show and Danny Gray was talking about his injured dick. <laughs> no me gusta. I'm like, what are sorry, you sorry. Doing? It's bare their souls. That's right. We, we talk about it all here. Uh, Tooch, you've ever injured your dick? I got hit. Well, I mean, I, I coach little league, you know, I got hit in the nuts a few times with the ball, a hard ball, nuts or dick, you know, around there, gotten hit in the groin. A couple there times. was an episode of curb your enthusiasm early on, uh, where Larry, uh, a dog bit his dick through his pants. <laughs> At one point, Cheryl was trying to fuck. He, she's like, no, nah, I can't. And my dick still hurt from the dog bite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So perfect transition. Did you see the debut of the final season? Oh, you know, I did. And they, what were your thoughts? Did you see the, the, the picture that, uh, that, uh, obviously imitated Trump's Georgia mugshot? Oh yeah, fucking hey. Uh, it was it was great. It was great. And and when it was happening, I was watching it with Justin, you know, the guy that was on the show here a couple weeks ago with yeah. me. Uh I was like, man, Larry's gonna get in trouble. Like you you can't give voters bottles of water. And and that's of course, sure enough, that's where it was going. I was like, Yeah, that's crazy, but that's some of the fucking rules in this country. And uh, anyway, so I thought that that was a perfect ending with that mugshot. Yeah, it was funny. Did you see it, Tooch? I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I love the commercial they have with the the aliens. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, that's good. That's really where he funny. takes his—he's like, "Why'd you give me that terrible face?" Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what was up with that face you gave me? 
I have a like-dislike relationship with the show. I like it because every episode will give me some belly laughs. There's no doubt about it. I dislike it because it's the same fucking premise every show. It is, you know, Larry David hates people. People hate him as a result of that. There's nothing new in the storyline. There's no character development. It's it's a sketch comedy show. They don't write a script. No, I, I will I will take umbrage with that. Like okay. the the new girl that's on. It's her second season. She plays the one yeah. from Young Larry. That's a developed character. Leon came on in like season six and become a star. But Leon was. You know, a new character in season six, like I said, Cheryl, and he broke up and got with Ted Danson. So yeah, characters do develop on it. There's a couple I, of I times, you. a right. couple of times that Jeff and Cheryl or Jeff and Susie have broken up. By the way, let me plug that real quick. Uh, Jeff and Susie are doing a podcast just the way the Sopranos did. Like they're doing one episode at a time from episode one through the last one this oh, season nice. where they break down every episode and they'll have guests throughout too. It's called the history of Kirby Your enthusiasm. And they'll like, they'll talk about things. Like I listened to the first episode, like uh, the music, they were talking about how the music got selected. Like mm -hmm. Larry was working for Seinfeld mm -hmm. and uh, had somebody, one of his assistants, he saw a commercial and had one of the assistants He's like, find that song for me, whatever that was. And it was like three years before he ever did Curb, but he knew he wanted to use it somewhere. So, and it wasn't easy to find shit in 96, seven like that, you, didn't, right. you know, yeah. so you get nuggets like that and, um, and what they would do differently. They were like, oh man, that looks so bad now. But they're like, yeah, but it's 2000. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, but you compare it to today and that shit looks weak. They were talking about, you know, some of the, the filming. So if you like inside baseball kind of deal, like that show is really good. Yeah, sounds good. I, I would like to see that. By the way, I the other night, I, uh, Tucci would get a kick out of this. I'm watching an Alfred Hitchcock movie. He's a director that I love because of his work. But, you know, you watch the films nowadays and you see through, you know, the rear screen projection clearly oh, looks funny yeah. and shit like that. And, but his very first film on all of the wide shots, instead of, Going out and filming white shots of a car, you know, driving down the street. They used models. And so they got these fucking little doll figures inside the car. And it's clear these are fucking dolls in a car going down a, <laughs> a, a miniature set. They used to call it back there. A miniature set. And he did it over and over again in the movie. And it started to become... A comedy for me. I'm not laughing at that. Look at how stupid that looks. The last, anyway, the last scene of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Again, it's 1984, so it's not like CGI was around. And I know it was a low-budget film at the time. But yeah. the last scene, Freddy like, drags the mom, Nancy's mother, through a door. Through the, yes, the through window the of the window. door. It's clearly a fucking baby doll. <laughs> and that's always bothered me. It's clearly a doll. The last yeah. scene. If you can't do it better than that, then don't do it. Yeah. Well, we should. We could do a whole show on on bad, you know, special effects. Like James Cameron is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Particularly, you know, he in, he he in, basically introduced CG uh, CGI with Terminator to sensational yeah. stuff. But in some of these movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it is so clear that 
Uh, it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger riding horseback in True Lies. It's a stuntman. It's you know over and over again. There's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's stuntman just doesn't match up with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the real man, the real <laughs> actor. And for James Cameron not to be totally upset about him because he's such a meticulous son of a bitch, they call him, about details like that. I was amazed. That's not fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger in the house. <laughs> and that horse, that's some guy named Joe. Well, that surprised me. I, I need to rewatch True Lies then because if you think about it, Arnold did that horrible movie Red Sonia, and he mm -hmm. did the two Conan movies, The Barbarian and The Destroyer, which I don't like any of those. They're not my genre. But he's on a horse the whole fucking movie, right? On all three of those. So it's surprising that if, if he really can't ride a horse, that's surprising. Mm. Um, Mark has a question for me. Uh, maybe Tucci can help me with this. Do you know who appeared in the most Hitchcock movies? I gotta say oh, Hitchcock. trick question. I know who it Hitchcock because he always put himself in the movies. You got it, brother. You got it. Second, I'd have to say Jimmy Stewart, though. Yeah, that would have been my guess, or maybe his daughter, because she was in a, a several movies. But, Dad, did you know that in Alfred Hitchcock movies, after a certain point, like maybe his fourth or fifth movie, he would always make an appearance, you know, as a guy walking down the street or whatever in a movie, in his movies. And then after a while, he started doing it real early in the movie because people were complaining that they were spending the first hour of the movie looking for him on the screen, so he wanted to get it. Get it done right away. Little, I didn't uh, know that. I know Scorsese used to put himself in his movies, yeah. though. And his mom. And his mom yeah. Right. Yeah, she's yeah. in Goodfellas, like Joe Pesci's yeah. mom in Goodfellas. She's great. She is fucking yeah. great. Peter Jackson. Uh, Peter Jackson put himself in his movies, too, though. Oh, really? I didn't know uh, that. Uh, Lord of the Rings and Hollywood wasn't director. He, wasn't he the one in the cab and taxi driver that was talking about killing his wife and De Niro? Scorsese. Just, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. De Niro's like, I doesn't know what to say because he just yeah. keeps talking about it. he wants to kill her. Like, look at her, she's up there fucking that guy right now. Exactly. Look at her, she's up there right now. She's she's fucking him. She's sucking his dick right now. <laughs> That's a good impression. That's a very good impression. Thank you. Finally, I did a good impression. <laughs> it sounded a little like Woody Allen, but I it sounded like Scorsese too. <laughs> Two of my biggest influences. When I was going to college and studying filmmaker Woody Allen and Martin Scorsese, so I'm not surprised I subconsciously made that happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, I gotta go, man. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. It was so good. I'm glad we could do the show on Thursday. Hopefully, we'll be back Tuesday. I hope we will. Right? If I if I don't have to produce a fucking game, I'll do everything I can to not be late. Though, if I have to come in early or something, you just never know. Hopefully, high school basketball shit will end soon. So. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about the season finale, I believe, of True Detective this time. Oh, yeah. No, there's two more. Two more. Two there's more. Two more? Okay. Well. So we're getting very close to the finale. We need to talk about that on our next show. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl on our next show. And who knows? We might get some uh, uh, tidbits that Justin Fields is the guy because now the media, Adam Schefter, is reporting that the Bears are interested in trading the number one overall pick. And the tide seems to be changing. Yes. About keeping fields and trading so we'll be talking about that next tuesday with dan aguire dan get out of here go save some lives two and i will wrap things and up. we should talk about vince mcmahon shitting on women oh my <laughs> gosh yes literally shitting literally and <laughs> forcing the woman allegedly to suck his friend's dick while her his fecal matter was pouring off of her yes man, that's like the worst I, thing i've ever heard how i how i have heard a change 
10, 15 years ago, I would have been, really? There's a tape of that? <laughs> right, I got to go. You Get all out. take care. You take all care. Right. Hold on, Danny. <laughs> he is Mr. Danny Guire. How are you, Tooch? Doing all right. Doing? all right. There we are. Yep. Oh, there we go. Yeah, doing all right. I uh, I'll give away a couple prop plays for the Super Bowl. I like. Yeah, want to do don't that tune now? In tomorrow night. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I got a. Uh, let, let me first really say. Like. Let me just first say that weekend mm -hmm. sports betting tips. You know, I know a lot of you guys like to place a bet, especially on a big game like the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. But it, and and Tooch will tell you, college. If you want to make some money. College basketball season is wow, the time to get your fucking bets in. And weekend sports betting tips on Friday with Johnny yep. Santucci and his two co-hosts is where you can make some money. If you've got a couple hundred dollars in your uh, sports betting app, uh, listen to that yeah. show. Tucci is going to help you win some money right now. Yep. Yeah, I, I like four bets. My favorite is uh, Harrison Butker over one and a half field goals. That's at minus 110. Mm -hmm. So uh, just him to kick two field goals. That's all. I had this bet with the Bengals uh, when they had when Bengals were in there. Evan McPherson, they lost to the Rams a couple of years ago. Uh, I also like uh, Christian McCaffrey over 18 and a half rushing attempts. I think he, I think he gets to 20, 19, 20, maybe more of, of rushing, rushing the ball. And that's okay. rushing attempts is a minus 128. Brock Purdy over 12 and a half rush yards. That's just a couple scrambles. Yeah. Got, right. Robbie just needs like one or two scrambles. And then uh, George Kittle over 47 and a half receiving yards. Just, uh, I think Kittle can hit that with like three catches. Kittle. You know? Okay. So, uh, Buckner, my four favorite. So, Buckner, you've got under on two field uh, goals. Oh, oh, over. Over one I'm and sorry. a half. So over. One over, and a half. over one and a half. Yeah. All right. And then to kick the, two field goals. To, to make two field goals. To kick yep. them, uh, the attempts, or to make them? To make, yeah, two field okay. goals, over one and a half field goals made. Yeah, gotcha. All right, yep. and then Christian McCaffrey over 18 rushing attempts, correct? Yep. 18 and a half, yeah. So he's got to have 19. Yep. Gotcha, 18.5. All yep. right, and then Brock Purdy, you got him over on what was that rushing yards? Over 12 and a half rushing yards at minus 130. I love that one because. Yep. In the game against Detroit, I think he really got his confidence going on yep. those scrambles. And yep. he was like, yeah, you're not going to fucking uh, guard me uh, with the potential of running down. So he could continue yep. that with KC. And I then like the, last the Mahomes one, one, too. I think it's like 25 and a half. Yeah. Oh, Over I like that one. 25 and a half for Mahomes. Ooh. He usually runs. runs. He Sometimes he'll break like a 20-yarder. Mm -hmm. You know, just keep running. You know, he's not that fast. But, he's you know, he'll be like run, just escaping, you know. You're right. He's not that fast, it's, yeah. but it's unbelievable how he gains those yards. And then the the fourth one of the first yeah. George uh, one Kittle. that he gave was Kittle. What was that one again? Over 47 and a half receiving yards. Okay. So that's probably yeah. about four catches for Kittle. Yeah, I would agree with yeah. that. Yeah. I would agree with that. And then, of course, the, the, the big one where you can win a lot of money if Travis – if you bet yes on Travis Kelsey uh, – proposing to Tyler Taylor <laughs> Swift on the field after the game if you bet wild. yes that's yeah. like about you know uh $1500 for every $100 that you bet that's a beautiful bet yeah that was what Anthony and I were talking about once it was like Kadarius Tony uh first touchdown is like 70 to 1 you know mm -hmm. so bet like 5 bucks you know just for him to score 
the first touchdown. I mean, this is a dude that guy, the guy hardly plays because it's always. I like, know that's weird, yeah. but still, you, you know? know another weird one too. Uh, is apparently <laughs> there's like six or seven or eight uh, different Gatorade colors, and there's prop bets yeah. on what color yep. the Gatorade is. I didn't know that. I thought it was always yeah. uh, that greenish, fucking fluorescent color. Yeah, man, I remember that back when I was a kid. There was only one flavor. It was like that lemon lime. Mm-hmm. You know, then they came out with two more or one more. I know orange was next, I think. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, they got orange, yeah, finally. And then they had fruit punch. There was only like three flavors. Now there's like a million fucking flavors, you know? That's wild. Uh, Cliff Victoria says NFL will probably put Taylor Swift in the halftime show. Cliff, I don't think it's going to happen. You know why? Because, first of all, she's <laughs> flying in from Japan. So she's going to be dead tired, has no time yeah. to rehearse or anything like that. And then, secondly, at today's press conference, uh, Usher had a press conference to kind of preview or tease the halftime show sponsored by Pepsi-Cola. Look at me. I'm, I'm selling their product like they're <laughs> sponsors, you motherfuckers. Why don't you sponsor us? Anyway, um, he said, I have designed this show to show what the city of Atlanta uh, uh, how that city of Atlanta influenced my creativity. The the show is is dedicated to my creativity, which is a very narcissistic thing to say. But I so I don't think you know uh, Taylor Swift figures in any of Usher's creativity. She doesn't have the bubble butt that that uh, Usher loves. She, she she's her popularity happened after his popularity. So Taylor Swift ain't gonna happen. I think Taylor Swift is gonna deliver for the NFL just by her cheering her man on and then on being on the field after the win. All, all uh, Cliff says, oh, it's just a joke. Sorry, Cliff, I didn't get the joke. You got to put the, the uh, joke font on when you make your jokes. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, Tooch, what else is going on in uh, your world or, or uh, things that you want to share with the audience? Uh, let's see. You've got, uh, we touched on weekend sports betting tips. Uh, let me see. Anything that you've seen that you want to share with, with people? I've been watching True Detective, man. I, I, I watch it twice every week just to see yeah, if me I miss too. anything. It's like, yes. and you know, uh, my brother, I have a brother, a younger brother, and uh, uh, me and him, you talk about the show a lot. We're like, it's all like, like right, they always set you up with like, oh, there's something supernatural or, you know, mm-hmm. weird happening, you know, and then it like, it, it's always like a, a, a like a, a mundane explanation, you know, a, afterwards, like, oh, okay. So like, we thought it was yeah. this. And, Yes, you know all yes. that stuff, but that's uh, I'm, I'm expecting it to be something like that at the end. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid you know? of, is yeah. because that that to me seems to be the overriding theme of the the episode. It's not so much who did it as opposed to was it a supernatural occurrence yeah. or yep. occurrences or or was it not? And, and so, are we going to get an explanation as to all, all of this stuff? I got a feeling there's going to be some supernatural response to it, or they're going to avoid it entirely. If that happens, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. I think that this this season has been really good. The acting is top notch. Yeah, Jodie right. Foster having sex, knowing that she's a lesbian and looking like she is really fucking getting into it with sex with that big ugly guy. Yeah. That that's great acting. That is great yeah. acting. Yeah. And uh the Native American cast, I'm assuming that they're Native Americans, uh, 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 uh or Eskimos or whatever. I apologize for not knowing, but all of them are just fantastic. The yeah. young kid who is the new cop and is being picked on rookie. Uh, I hate you too. All this stuff. Yeah. He's he's fucking great. 
I think his name is Finn something. So he might be a European actor. Um, good. John John Hawks, right? Who plays his dad? Yeah, De- Deadwood. Think, Deadwood, right? Yeah, he's, uh, he's, Deadwood. he's been in a lot of really good things. Uh, he 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 was in a movie where he played a paraplegic, and mm. his caretaker started to fall in love with him, and they actually had sex in a movie. I think it was a nominated movie. I don't remember it very well, um, but uh, he's he's a damn good actor, and he's yeah. good in this. I expect his role. And these last two episodes is going to increase because of an act, yeah. an actor of that stature. I, I just think that he's going to be involved with the conclusion somehow. Yeah, he's what been about kind this? of a, a douche for this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what about the whole like wife that. thing when his wife didn't show up? He he had right. a mail order bride. Yeah, mail order from? bride didn't come, and like you know, someone who was it? His son was saying, "You haven't been sending her money, have you?" You know, which is probably what's been happening. I'm sending her. Yeah, exactly. Money. Exactly. You know, there's you know. But uh, do you think that he might play a role into like he, what's going on with the murders? He stuff? was the chief of police before Jodie Foster got there. She like came and he was demoted is what I, everyone assumes, right? Yes. That's the assumption. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm like, he's, he's horribly bitter about it. Yes, you know, he, he has is. no respect for his boss. Nope. You know, zero got half respect. the fucking files at his house. Yeah. He won't <laughs> give her any, whatever he can do to make her job harder. Uh-huh. And his son is such a good kid. He's smart. He's, you know, yeah, he, he's a sweetheart. He's a hard he's, he's guy. a prodigy, you know, that like you know, she's super happy with the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but, Mr. Yeah. Man says John Hawk's character is a simp and a loser. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Well, I, I got a feeling you might be right, but I got a feeling also that there's the sinister side to him, and it might be revealed in one of these next two yeah. episodes. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, they set us up with the supernatural stuff. There's been ghosts, you know, mm-hmm. the ghost of uh, uh, Evangeline's sister, recently, mm-hmm. who, who, you know, who took her life in this last episode. I'm not running it. Sorry about that. But uh, And then Travis Cole. Who has the same last name as as Matthew McConaughey's character from season mm-hmm. one, Rust right. Cole? I think there was a. My brother said he rewatched season one and said uh, Rust said uh, uh, I was up in Alaska recently visiting my dad or something or visiting my brother. I can't remember what he, what he said, but that ties into season one, you know, because Travis, the the ghost who pointed uh, Rose to the bodies out on the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he has the same last name or is, is related to Matthew McConaughey from season one. And mm-hmm. then uh, you have the whole, this, it, this whole like 30 days of night, there's no, you know, there's no sunshine. So it's really bleak, you know, mm-hmm. for this whole thing. And, you know, uh, Evangeline and Rose, they're constantly seeing, you know, uh, dead people or visions, you know, and uh, yeah. uh, you have the the scientists who, Supposedly, we're studying, you know, uh, paleolithic microorganisms. Mm-hmm. You know, then there's that whole uh, mystery of the evangel the case that Evangeline has been obsessing over since her and uh, Carol. Is it Carol? No, what was what's her name? Liz. 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 So her and Liz were working on in the past that caused their separation and Evangeline to go to the state troopers and uh, uh, Liz to continue on in the sheriff or chief of police role. With the mm-hmm. sheriff's office of local police yep. of Ennis. But yeah, I mean, fictitious town, by the way. There's not a real Ennis in Alaska. Uh, and by the way, the show is filmed in Iceland. Uh, is it? 
Wow. Yeah, we were we were looking at the credits and we're like, wow, a lot of these cool. names don't seem like they're American. So yeah. my wife looked it up. It's filmed in Iceland, and, and you can nice. actually see it at the end of the credits. Hey, Muk Muk has uh, got a recommendation, a South Korean show called Death's Game. He says it's incredible. And so we've got to share that with our guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, God, I just hit a brain fart here. Uh, the Korean a- Aaron Mikulski. Yeah. Aaron Mikulski loves. He loves uh, that. Yep. Yeah. So we got. They, we're they gonna, remade a uh, the movie Cube into a series. You know, really? Cube, that weird movie yeah. where people are in the cube and everything. Yeah. Like a number and they're shifting around inside of a little cubes inside of a giant cube. Mm-hmm. There's like a million different combinations. They every every room is booby trapped. They oh, made cool. like a series <laughs> about that. I think it's on Netflix. I'm not sure. Yeah. I was watching uh, The Tourist, or is it The Tourist or The Passenger? One of those two. The uh, Passenger, I think. The Passenger, or The Tourist. Okay. There's a movie called The Passenger, though, too. Okay. Which I also saw, but The Tourist uh, with uh, Mr. Gray from Fifty Shades mm-hmm. of Gray. It's like an Australian like comedy mystery mm-hmm. with uh, this fat chick named Danielle McDonald, who's, or McConnell. She's really good. You recognize her. She's like a curly, blonde-haired fat chick. It's kind of cute. What's her name again? Danielle McConnell, I think. Okay, I think she's I know been in a ton is. of movies. She's an Australian actress, and then Mr. Gray, he's he was in a car accident. Can't remember his name or what he did. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's the uh, Jason Bourne like uh, story where he's like a former whatever stud hitman or something. The other worked for so, but I, he's slowly regaining his memory and figuring out who. Yeah, the tourist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good, man. And there's a, I forget, there's this Finnish guy or Swedish guy that's playing an American, a Texan. He's really funny. He's like an assassin, too. There's a giant fat guy with a cowboy hat that's in Australia. You know, oh, cool. and uh, it's good. That man. sounds it's good. Funny. It's funny, but Danielle McConnell, if you see a picture of her, she's kind of a cute fat chick, Aldo. Well, I love cute fat chicks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you see, find a picture of her. It's called Mark- Tourist. That was really good. McConnell, right? Uh, Danielle McConnell, I think, in the tourist. All right, uh, let's see. She it's either Danielle. McDonald or, McCann, or McConnell. Uh, the tourist, right? Okay, yeah, because so I'm getting a lot of different pictures when I just put her name. Oh, I see her. Yes, I've seen her before. She is a uh, what movie was she in? She was in a movie. I, I want to say with Danielle, Danielle McDonald. Yeah, I want to say she was in a uh, George Clooney film, or um, Dumpling. She, I think Dumpling was her big breakout. Yeah, she's a good Dumpling. actress. Yeah, she's a really ver- good. A very good actress. Really funny. Uh, let me see if I. She's hilarious in this movie, man. Put up her picture. People, I'm sure, will recognize her as soon as her picture comes up, and there it is. Yeah, uh, Danielle yep. McDonald. Yeah. Uh, really, really good actress. Yeah. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll write that one really down. Funny too. Cute Excellent. too. She's kind of cute in this one. You're kind of like, ah, oh, she's not that fat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> not uh, that fat at all, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, Jody Foster's I'm, 62 years old. Looks pretty good for 62. Yeah, she does. She does. Yep. And 
as good an actress. I was reading an article, uh, an interview with uh, Finn, the guy that plays the young uh, cop. Mm -hmm. That's his first name. I don't remember his last name. But he said that working with her has been such a thrill. He has never felt intimidated by her. When he makes a mistake on the set, she like laughs it off or or just doesn't you know worry about it. He feels so comfortable acting. You know, a, a young guy like that would feel maybe intimidated by a Jodie Foster. And he oh, said yeah. he has no feelings like that at all. He really enjoys working with her. Hey, I saw a movie that um, I'm trying to find the title of it, but I can't. Maybe you've seen it. The reason I watch it is because I was scrolling through uh, the Comcast uh, menu list and Rotten Tomatoes gave it 100%. Well, it's like mm. two or three critics, I, I soon learned thereafter. But <laughs> nonetheless, the, the premise of the movie is a, there's a guy who is married to a woman. They live in this great apartment. But he's a photographer. She's a, a movie production assistant. He's a photographer, and she's got to go for a week to work on a movie set. And she tells him, I don't want you laying around on the sofa, drinking beer and wasting your time. Go out, shoot some pictures, you know, uh, perfect your craft and so forth. And so he reluctantly does that. And so he goes out across the city, starts shooting some pictures. And so He's at in this lot where there's a sign that says 5G ruined my life. And so he's composing the shot. And then all of a sudden, some guy comes out from behind that sign and stands next to it about five, 10 feet away. He goes, get out, get out. You're it. I, I can see you. Get out, get out. And, and so the guy is like, well, you can see me. You can see me. Well, as it turns out, he's a ghost. And he has been a ghost for a while, and nobody can see him except that guy, the photographer. And so oh. it, it also turns out that they know each other. The, the photographer knew this guy in college, and the kid wanted to stay in touch, and the photographer never did because he's not a very social person and so forth. Well, what happens now is that the ghost because you're the only one that can see me. I want to be with you every day. He, the guy, the photographer, can't get rid of the ghosts. You know? <laughs> What's it called? It I gotta, I'm going to find the title. And uh, <laughs> it is interesting, you know, but you got to go in with somewhat low expectations, very low budget. It's it's just a kind of uh, an 85-minute sketch comedy thing, but Shit. it's pretty good. I'll find the title. <laughs> Um, let me see. Uh, let's see. What else have I seen that I want to share with you guys? Anyone in the chat? Uh, the fall of the house of the usher. You ever seen that? Muck, muck, I muck, haven't. Muck. I want to watch it. It's on my list. Haven't watched that one. Uh, mm -hmm. let's see. God damn. I watched a Showtime show and I can't remember the name of it that I thought was pretty good, but I can't remember the name of it. My, uh, wife canceled disney plus and then on the very next day she's reading all this cool stuff that's coming to disney plus so we might have to resubscribe to it <laughs> so it's, it's this whole streaming thing has just gotten fucking out of hand yeah it's tough right. jesus christ is how much money are we going to spend on i know watching some good tv this is not right man i know i, the, I know i hate to have the government interfere with uh, enterprise, but I something has to be done. Reacher, that was really good. Oh yeah, I, I, I've been dying to see that because I see these YouTube shorts, and really you know good. Jack Reacher is always beating the fuck out of somebody. I'm, I want to live vicariously through him. I know, right? Yeah. So you saw season two and you liked it, huh? 
Yeah, I like season two. Yeah, that's all. He's always good. That guy, whatever his name is, the Alan Richson. Man, I just can't remember what I what I watched. It was on Showtime. It was really good. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Ravi says, "If you like twenty four, if I like twenty four, should I watch Reacher? I would say probably. Definitely. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, by the way, twenty four. I, I hated the politics, but that was some great fucking TV. That was uh, what was the kid's name? Southern uh, Sutherland, Kiefer Sutherland's son. Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, yep. Uh, Jack he, Bauer. J- Jack Bauer." And you know these were every every episode was edge of your seat, great cliffhangers. The premise was so good. Twenty four hours in the life of a uh, of a terrorist agent, you know, uncovering terrorism and so forth. And there's, you know, when I studied script writing in college, the one of the things they taught us was try to build your script along the protagonist having to get something done at a certain time. Because then your audience is like, oh, he, he's got to be there by 12 o'clock. Oh, he's got to do this by a certain time or it's going to blow up, you know. Love and it. so 24 just took that fucking basic script writing premise and injected it big fucking time into every episode. It was really, really good stuff. 24. Did you guys ever watch uh, Outlander? On no. Stars, you and no, I know. I know you've been rec- uh, recommending yeah, that great. for a while. Yeah. yeah. What's the premise really of that one again? It's a, 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 it was a lady uh, during uh, just just after World War II. She's like uh, married to a professor, and they moved to Scotland from uh, Oxford, I think. And uh, she's uh, hanging out like by this magic stone circle, whatever you know, stone circle in Scotland, and falls asleep and ends up wakes up. She's in like 18th century Scotland, and you know. Mm-hmm doesn't really understand she's traveled through time for a sec but anyway she she has you know the knowledge of being alive in the 20th century she becomes like she was a nurse so she becomes kind of like a healer mm-hmm. and uh people think she's a witch you know she gets accused of witchcraft and uh she falls in love with this uh a, a very poor scottish lord who's just like he's like really good he's very honorable and he's a you know he's a, a fighter he always does the right thing and he's super handsome and they fall in love you know it's, it's a time travel show but yeah it's great it's called outlander and yeah, it's, it's so the plots are good some of the characters are terrible it has a bunch of actors from game of thrones in it too uh and uh been around for uh, what eight, yeah seventh season is coming yeah. up set it, it you, you'll go through them really fast you're like i gotta watch another one. what happened they're all cliffhangers yeah, yeah every okay. episode's a cliffhanger you know okay. so it keeps you watching and stuff. The love story is great. You know, they're both great characters, the, the, the lady and the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he goes through so much shit, you know, wars in Scotland, wars with England, you know, the British torture the fuck out of him. His back is completely covered in scars, mm, Okay, you know? Uh, and, uh, uh, she ends up like leaving for a time. She goes back and she falls out of love with her original husband, you know, and, uh, goes, decides she wants to travel back again to be with, you know, her true love, which is this guy from the 18th century. It's great, man. It's, it's just fucking, there's sword fighting and, you know, rest. He always rescues her. He comes to her rescue. Do you watch you know, it with your wife? Yeah. My wife and I watched every episode together. It's great. Okay. Got, yep. got, uh, cause my wife, you know, she typically won't go for these sword, uh, type shows. Yeah. But, uh, once I finally twisted her arm enough to watch Game of Thrones, she was addicted, man. We did a yeah. fucking three-season three binge in one I weekend. mean, it, 
it's like timeless this one the, the novels were uh, uh diana gabaldon novels are super popular mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh you know it's it's got everything that women would want enough stuff for men you know to uh you know there's wars and stuff and like uh he he flee him and his wife flee to france during the french revolution too that's great in mm-hmm. paris he he uh he finds an orphan kid they kind of adopt him you know they have their own daughter like uh daughter comes uh with her husband to find her mom mm-hmm. you know they they figure out through letters that they had written through time that they went to the stone circle and they you know they traveled through the stones you know so the daughter comes it's, it's awesome man and uh Sounds she good. goes uh she goes uh after they've been to france they come back to scotland because there was a you know mary queen of scots was was uh uh french mm-hmm. you know so there's the french and the scott the french and scott the the it was uh, uh i forget what they're called uh the the jacobins jacobites sorry were, okay. were uh, a, a french sect who wanted to overthrow the king of france and they had teamed up with mary queen of scots you know so the scottish were involved in the french revolution and then after that they flee to america and he like sets up he like becomes like a a a, a, a landowner in north carolina you mm-hmm. know and he becomes fairly prominent and then you know the the revolutionary war is starting up with you like we're going to rebel against england and he, he's torn between the british you know who want his loyalty him being a a, a a scottish lord they want his loyalty to the crown and he he's got like people that depend on him on his farm you know and friends he's made and the indians you know that want you know he wants to uh uh rebel you know it's just great that's where you're at right now you're in america and it's the revolutionary war is about it just started you know i gotta i gotta tell my daughter about it she sounds it sounds like something she'd love too um my daughter is really big into these anime series you know and and i got her into it when she was a kid and uh and now for since she's been an adult she likes the miyazaki you went to see the oh yeah exactly she loves those and so she's always telling me have you seen this one yet have you seen it and i haven't i haven't seen any anime other house of dragon is starting pretty soon right i think after true detective right yeah exactly exactly very very soon all right i found the title of that movie that i was talking to about the guy with the ghost it's called the civil dead and so here is not a heard that at all. <laughs> yeah, here's here, well, it's one of these, you know, a budget, a budget of a hundred thousand dollars. Here's a trailer for it. And yeah, that sucks. Just promise we'll try to go outside, take some photos, be inspired. Right, okay. One of these film festival movies. Wait. Yeah, that's wild. The music is great. Man, yes, I have a new haircut that I it looks cool. You look like a guy in a band. Oh, thanks. Yeah, let's keep hanging out, man. Okay, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Want a beer? Hey, I know this is awkward, but I need you to leave. Can't leave. Um, what do you mean by this? What are you saying? What are you telling me? Think I'm dead. Think I'm a dead ghost. <laughs> Dude, I know this sounds insane. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't really know what to do with myself. Maybe I'm here to help you, fix you in some way. There's nothing to fix here, man. I'm good. I've been following you around for a week now, man. You're a loser. Okay, well, I got an idea. What's wrong with you? 
I just lied to my wife. I need to slowly work you into my life. Um, actually, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Where are you guys going? Maybe I could just. Down. I hate that you think I'm scared. You haunted me like Casper the damn ghost. Casper is a friend. Okay, I'll admit that wasn't the best reference. But you guys met on the scale of scary shit that's going on right now. This isn't that bad. <laughs> Thank you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest part of it. It's, it's the guy, you know, uh, the poor guy is sleeping and, you know, he wakes up and there's this ghost figure with the backlit looking <laughs> terrifying and he won't leave. And I was like, fuck, oh my God. It's, you know, I can't say is a, I cannot say it's a great movie, but it's a great fucking premise. <laughs> I cool. wish Tooch and I would have written the script. Give us the premise. We would have done a better job, but it's still an entertaining movie. <laughs> worth, worth your, it's less than 90 minutes, so it's worth your time. Good stuff. I like it. Sounds great, man. <laughs> yeah. Ravi says that he likes these artsy, fartsy movies. Yeah, Ravi, I'm with you, you know, because I was involved in that movie world for a little while where, you know, you just got a few dollars to try to make a movie done. And uh, those who are have succeeded, like these guys, because it was shown at Sundance, uh, it's, it's pretty good, uh, given some attention. And a lot of times you get these great filmmakers come out of, you know, the, the woman that directed Barbie, Greta Gerwig, she started. Uh, yeah, art yeah, the art, yeah. Right? Um, who else, you, you know, has been a big-time filmmaker? You know, even Scorsese, you know, Mean Streets, and I think he did another one before that. That was, you know, low-budget, artsy-fartsy stuff. Stanley Kubrick did a movie called Fear and Desire. And he was, Tooch, do you know the story about Kubrick? He was a photographer. Uh, got hired by Life or Look magazine, took pictures and so forth, but he was always interested in motion pictures. And so he decided to make a movie. He raised some funds from his family members and stuff, shot the movie, and he said to himself, you know what, I'm just going to shoot the movie and not worry about sound because it's cheaper, you know, not to have a sound man on location stuff. So he shot the whole fucking movie with no sound. Everybody was just voicing. And then he uh -huh. says, now I'm going to put the movie, uh, the, the dialogue in, in, uh, uh, in post. And he was like, that was the fucking stupidest thing. I ever <laughs> you know what it is to synchronize 90 minutes of people talking and coaching the actor and blah, blah, blah. He said it was a fucking mess. And when you see it now, you can tell, yeah, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't sound like the actors and the voices are matching. They say, they say he uh, uh, faked the moon landing, right? That yeah, right. That, that's a, a rumor out there that yeah. Hollywood hired him to fake the moon landing. I don't it's think like, that's true. Well, I mean, it's like if you watch the moon landing, there's like, okay, there it is. Who who was filming when when the thing was taking off from the the moon? You know, it's like yeah, right. The camera like <laughs> tilts up. It's like oh, who's somebody tilted up the camera? You know, it's like right. Uh, J2K say didn't Star Wars do that too to an extent? Well, all movies now, you know, probably seventy five to one hundred percent are all ADR, automatic dialogue replacement. The yeah. technology has gotten better since that time. Kubrick worked on Fear and Desire, uh, you know, where you, it was just much more primitive to replace, to add in dialogue and match the, the lip syncing. Now it's it's much easier because of the technology. Yeah, they did that with Darth well, Vader. They had a camera um, on a timer. Oh, okay. Well, on the liftoff. Yeah, okay. Broadcast. Uh, what are, what's your favorite uh, Kubrick movie? 
Are you familiar with his work, first of all? Yeah, 2001, probably. Yeah, okay. You know, full definitely. metal jacket. The full metal jacket, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Full metal jacket or 2001, those are my two favorites. Yeah, yeah. Full metal jacket's amazing. Did you ever see Dr. Strangelove yeah, or Sellers. How I Learned to Stop yep. Worrying and Love the A-Bomb? The worst Brilliant. title. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Strangelove. But yep. that is, if you like black comedies, yeah. over-the-top comedies, I highly recommend that movie. It's a great movie about Russia and the United yep. States and the, the nuclear scare of the 60s. Uh, what else did he do that I really fucking liked? Some, somebody mentioned uh, Mr. Mayhem said Eyes Wide Shut was a weird movie. You know, it was. it's unfortunate that here in America we never got to see his unedited version because what happened is he, you know, it was semi-pornographic. You know, it was, you, know, I, you never saw actual penetration, but Warner Brothers was just so afraid that the movie would not play well in southern states where they tend yeah. to be a little bit more conservative about stuff like that. So they had Kubrick digitally put in people under the shots of people. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And so uh, it, 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 you know, it didn't destroy the movie by any means, but you always, with an artist like Stanley Kubrick, you want to make sure he gets it done the way he does. And so apparently there's some European uh, prints of the movie that's, that have, all this undoctored his for, cut. yeah his cut I, huh i'd love to see and that yeah, he was cut. working on ai but he passed away and steven spielberg finished the yes movie. ai was brilliant oh yes and it really feels like a kubrick movie doesn't yeah. it yep <laughs> yeah really good i like stanley kubrick a lot Ton of um movies. he he did a film noir movie uh called the killing with sterling yeah. hayden and it's basically like yep. a documentary of a racetrack robbery where he's yeah. going to bring somebody in to shoot a horse during the race and during the commotion of the horse being shot during rob this the, race rob the racetrack right and it's a great fucking yeah. movie yep. great fucking movie um let's see what else he only did yeah, like that, 10 that was like movies. inspiration for tarantino's like uh pulp fiction no not pulp yep. fiction. Uh, reservoir dogs or, yes yeah, yes robbery yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Kubrick did indeed uh, inspire so many great directors. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, of, uh, you mentioned 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yeah, Do you recall brilliant. your first experience watching the movie? You know, I'd seen it once, like for the first time. I didn't think it was all that great. I'm like, man, I don't know. And a then, lot of people feel that way. Yes. Yeah. And then I watched it again. You know, I probably had a lot of drugs and I was like, this is kick ass. You know, because exactly. the, the music <laughs> is fantastic. The, uh, mm -hmm. I forget the uh, uh, composer's name that did like Jupiter and Beyond, which is that yeah. chanting, you know, during the, the mm -hmm. latter end of this trip out part, you know. A lot of classical and, music, know. the Blue yeah. Danube. Uh, yeah, the Strauss like waltzes in the beginning. Yes, but the, yes. uh, Giorgio was like a Romanian composer that did like the latter half when they, you know, they travel inside the mm -hmm. artifact, and the, the, the deep space journey, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that, yeah, that's just brilliant. Right. That stuff, man. Absolutely, absolutely. It was definitely, you know, and the advertising it came out in 1969, and so uh, when the studio saw what he had done, they were like freaking out, saying, you know, a lot of people don't want to watch this. They're not going to understand it. They don't know what yeah. the fuck. What are we going to do? And so somebody came up with the idea because LSD was very popular at the time, yeah. and so the tagline on the poster was something like "One hell of a trip." 
And so <laughs> that's what made the film popular at the box office. Yeah. There were teenagers and young yep. adults oh, yeah. doing dropping LSD and watching 2001 in Space Odyssey. It helps. That was, that, <laughs> exactly. Definitely helps. <laughs> definitely, definitely helps. Yeah. Very, you know, uh, I, I had a school teacher at the time who hated the movie. And I was defending it. And he goes to me, Aldo, it's called show business, not show arts. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You got to make money. And he was like pissed off because, the, you know, he didn't think it was a commercial movie. He, besides being a school teacher, he was also a projectionist. And so okay. he knew that, you know, having popular movies was good for business, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the ending, the ending was, uh, you know, oh. uh, you know, it, it took a while for me to like kind of fully digest what had happened, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it's basically uh, the same ending at the end of AI, you know, where the yes. aliens come back, they get, right. you know, bring, bring the, uh, let the, you know, let the astronaut die peacefully of old age so they can move into the next stage of life. Exactly. You know? Same exactly. with uh, AI, you know. Mm -hmm. I I I'm, I don't have the title in front of me, but uh, yeah. I've got another movie for you to watch. That's another low budget artsy fartsy movie, and it is about a guy who is a filmmaker and got into doing science fiction films because as a kid, I mean, he was like eight or nine years old. His dad took him to watch 2001: A Space Odyssey, <laughs> which is something maybe a parent shouldn't do <laughs> unless you want to hear your. But this kid was fascinated by it and there's these great shots of the people in the audience some of them asleep you know <laughs> some of them you know uh doing their nails you know while they're watching and then some of them fascinated like he was as a seven-year-old and the camera zooms into him as a seven-year-old he was just totally taken by it and yeah. uh, the the rest of the movie is his about his career trying to get in become a science fiction filmmaker i'll find that title and share it with you i think you'll enjoy that nice oh dave uh, Paths of Glory was the yeah. yes. Aldo and That's, I talked about this one for yes. a couple, a few times. Yep. Yes, uh, I saw it again recently. Every once in a while, I try to watch it once every couple of years or so because this is the movie that really stimulated my love for cinema. And, and I think that's the best way to. And some people make movies, popcorn movies like Fast and Furious, which are all great. And some people make arty movies. And, and yeah. Kubrick made, I think this was his first arty movie, but it was about war and with lots of action in it and great performances yeah. by Kirk Douglas and others. Mm -hmm. uh, a fabulous, fabulous anti war movie. Yep. That All right, my friends. My brother. The theme in Full Metal Jacket. Yes, he did. Yep. You know, and I was a little disappointed when I first screened that, went to the theater and saw mm -hmm. it. I was like, this is one of his better movies. And then yep. I've seen it two or three times, and it's like the same thing. More and more appreciation. Oh, oh I, yeah. I understand that now. I understand yep. that. He was and, a know, very... It was like the uh, around the same time as Platoon. So you had kind of... The, yes. Platoon was a little more straightforward. Yeah, a little you know, more accessible for the accessible. audience. Accessible, yep. And Full Metal Jacket, you kind of had to go around to get to the inside, you know. Yes, but, great, uh, good way both, to put it. Both, both good movies. Yes, indeed. There's a documentary again. I don't remember the title, but a documentary made about Stanley Kubrick's assistant and how yeah, he was. I remember assistant. that. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah, and so he was assistant from the time of I think at the movie after Paths of Glory to uh you know his last film and the guy shares you know kubrick's 
uh, how, method of working, how demanding he was, but also how kind he was at other times. So it's that, that's yeah. uh, that the man himself is is a fascinating guy, and uh, he's sort of like the Michael Jordan of filmmaking. You know, a lot of people don't like him. <laughs> because he was so meticulous and hardworking, but a lot of people uh, can admire what he did. And yeah. Paths of Glory is my, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I, I recently revisited Excalibur by John Borman. Ooh, love was, it. If you watch it again, it's like, it really holds up. Yeah, it does look like, good. Man, it's like, it's it's intense, man. It's a great movie, and the, the mm -hmm. filmmaking is fantastic. You I know. saw it. I, I, I'll never forget this. I saw it at the Carnegie Theater, which is in Rush Street in Chicago. And there is this scene where a gladiator in, yeah. in his outfit full is armor. having sex yeah. in full armor, yeah. having sex. And I'm like, it's, that's one awesome. of the greatest images of all time. <laughs> yeah, Have you great. ever There's seen like, uh, Liam Neeson things? and Patrick Stewart are in that movie? You know, I didn't uh, know that. Liam yeah, Neeson. Like, he, he's so oh, young. Holy shit. Yeah, in 1981. And then you think, like, let's see, that was 43 years ago. So Liam, you know, Liam Neeson, oh, you know, was probably yeah, 30. 28, oh, 30, maybe younger you know? than yeah. that, right? I haven't seen uh, poor things. What's uh, uh, J2K says this is from the same director who did The Lobster, which I have not seen yet. J2K, I but I, I hear it, it is super wild. It's some weird story about a, a, a person who is a lobster or something like that. If you can give us a quick description, J2K, but I've been wanting to see The Lobster, but I, I gotta be in the right mood for something as weird as that one. But poor things is by the same director. We'll uh, do some research on that thank you j2k uh skylark says ilm skywalker sound pixar thx all george lucas companies and more that james cameron spielberg and other directors producers have used in their movies you're absolutely right lucas came up with the idea for ilm it was the first hollywood uh, super special effects film. They were innovative. They were doing stuff no other sound effects studio, special effects studio was doing. And uh, George Lucas was the first. Using, you know, it, basically he was using the the people for Star Wars, and then made the company afterwards, if I remember correctly. And uh, ILM is is you know probably if they haven't already, is probably going to get an Oscar, an honorary Oscar someday. Tucci, pay attention to the Oscars at all. You know, I was I was thinking about asking you if I, I hadn't heard who the nominees were this year. Yeah, uh, it's really coming well. up. It's like a month away, right? Yeah, exactly. I missed the Golden Globes this year. I did see the Grammys this past week. Did Did you see it over the weekend? The Grammys? No, no, I did not. I, I can't remember where I was. I, I think I was out of town. But I gotta tell you, man, I was. I re I really enjoyed Sunday's. Wasn't Grammys. somebody arrested at the Grammys? Oh yeah, like uh, Killer Mike or something. Killer Mike yeah. was. I don't know the reason. They haven't disclosed. At least I haven't uh, seen uh, it disclosed. Why? I thought he punched but, somebody at like before the show. Oh, and they really? pressed charges or something like that. Something and, like. and so they waited till after. Waited. You know, I think he won like two or three damage. I went up on stage and they, you're under arrest. Yeah. <laughs> Recently, I saw uh, Piggy. Do you know this movie? Piggy. Piggy? It's like no. a. a there's a fat chick who's bullied, and there's like some guy who's like sees her getting bullied, and he kind of like protects her and stuff, and ends up murdering like people mm -hmm. for her or whatever. He like falls, kind of falls in love with her. He's like a loner. It's a Spanish movie. It's actually pretty good, man. <laughs> I have to check that out. Yeah, Piggy. It's a Spanish film. So subtitles. Yes, subtitles. Yep. All right, and um. 
there was something I wanted to share with you, and now I, I don't know the fuck I did. Right, but, I remember that J2K gave us a little synopsis, yeah. Yeah, you become an animal. So this is poor things, or lobster, I should say. Uh, you become an animal of your choice if you don't find a mate by your 30s. To avoid becoming a lobster, he has to find a wife. <laughs> that's so that's, that's the line right there that I had heard. I was like, okay, eh, I might have to be in the right mood for this one. <laughs> I got to say it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, he says it's good and dark. Uh, Lisa Ann, I wonder if Mr. Mayhem is talking about the uh, pornography woman. Uh, Lisa Ann got arrested too. And... I'm not up on the hip kids Lisa... right now, you know. Do you know Lisa Ann, the uh, porn star? Mm -mm. Oh my gosh, she did a famous porn movie called Nailing Sarah Palin. She played Sarah Palin because she looks just like her, except she's got like massive bubble silicone injected uh, titties. Nailing Palin. Yes, Robbie. <laughs> um, so uh, I wonder if he was referring to uh, that, Lisa and Mr. Mayhem. Anyway, I did want to say uh, this one thing about uh, the Grammys, and I wish YouTube and the copyright police weren't so uh, adamant yeah. about stuff. Oh, wow. I got to read up on that, find out why she was arrested. Damn. But um, – at the Grammys, I guess there's a country western star who has taken Tracy Chapman's fast car and has yeah. recovered it, and Luke it's become Combs. a Luke Combs. Thank you. Yeah, I love Luke Combs. So he, they interview him in a prepackaged thing during the Grammys. They don't show. like his reversion of it, right? The people have not no, liked it. Or... No, well, I don't know about that, but I'm just talking about what happened at the Grammys. So he he talks about how much he as he's always loved the song as a kid, and talks about yeah. why he loves it. He performed so it with forth. her at the Grammys, though, right? That's where I'm getting going to. That's yep. where I'm going. So uh, they, so they performed the song at the Grammys and. It is such a fucking emotional performance. First of all, seeing Tracy it. Chapman, who has not performed, performed in, a while. Yeah. in decades, and then seeing him as he's performing the song with her, he's like looking at her, and and basically with his he's eyes, got a great and, voice. He does, he does, yeah. but he basically saying, "This is your moment. This is your song. I'm singing alongside you." But it's yours. And it was such a moment of affection and admiration that I, I started to tear up during the performance. And I've seen it two or three yeah. times since. Do it's you know really, really uh, any of his music? No, I, I, I uh, got, texted one a, of my kids. and A made, bunch made of some well. really good songs, man. There's one called uh, Beer Never Broke My Heart. Yeah, you yeah. One like Long Neck Ice Cold Beer Never Broke yeah, My yeah. Heart. Like football teams and di diamond rings and football teams. Look at you. this boy apart. Yeah. It's, he talks about like his dog running away and the football team broke my heart because they lost. It's like a Bears fans, you know. I love it. Uh, I love there's it. another one where he talks about uh, he wins. A, he, he, get, he gets a scratch off ticket and wins, you know, and he like leaves his girlfriend. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. His lyrics are, are awesome. He's a good singer, too, man. Yeah, Luke, he's more kind of rock than country. Like yeah, that's what I've heard. Country, more country rock. He gets into some more like Leonard Skinner type riffing and stuff, you know, if mm -hmm. you like that. Yeah, if you like Skinner, you probably would like Luke Combs. But. Well, I, I got to believe that his record sales just skyrocket after uh, the Grammys yeah. because, you know, so many people from who love different genres will watch that show. Yeah. And his performance was just sensational. And it's great to see Tracy Chapman. He's back. really more, more kind of classic rock, Luke Combs. Mm -hmm. 
if yeah. you like classic rock, you know. It's Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a yeah. big fan of classic rock. Um, there was one other thing regarding the Grammys that I wanted to mention, uh, but I'm forgetting what it was. Nonetheless, uh, got anything else? Let's pull the plug on this yep. one. It's 11.15. I know you've got the it's magazine like, to work on. Well, i got to have sex with the wife because uh, my wife's been working like almost every night. Yeah. So finally she's home tonight. So I think she's I'm going to go. She's out watching TV in the other room. So all right. Got to, got you know what? When we have nights together, got to take advantage of it. So absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely. like usually I'm like going to bed. I put the girls to bed. Then I'm like, go, go crawling in, watching something on TV. You know, mm-hmm. I get a kick out of Hell's Kitchen, man. I love Gordon Ramsay. Oh, yeah. I just, uh, I, I try to think about like, like the dude, not only is the dude inspiring, but he's also entertaining. You know, I'm like, there's not a lot of people that are, you know, because he's worked hard. He's like, he's this bigger than life personality. But mm-hmm. that, he's funny. And he's like, you know, he's very uh, uh, demanding, you know, and he's got this bigger than life, like menacing presence and stuff. There really isn't anybody like him on television. I totally know? agree. Like, Totally. I don't watch a lot of, of, of his stuff, but yeah. every time I see him, uh, whether it's a clip from the show or I see him interviewed, yeah. he's a very impressive it, figure. Former athlete. Oh, you know, I didn't know he, that. He was uh, like 15 or 16-year-old kid. He was like the next big soccer player, footballer, mm-hmm. you know, and then he tore up his knee and never couldn't play again. He was going to be the mm-hmm. next star, oh, you know, really? like, uh, uh, here, uh, what is it? Uh, Rooney or whatever, Wayne Rooney or, or uh, Harry Kane, you know, mm-hmm. he was like scouted. They signed him to a deal when he was like 16 years old, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, he gave it up after he was injured and became, you know, went uh, went into the cooking, built his empire, you know, of restaurants. Even in, my hometown has a fucking Gordon Ramsay restaurant in Naperville. Is that right? Yeah, my, brother, that. my brother's like, uh, yeah, but we'll go there sometime you know it's like, mm-hmm. i went i ate in one of his restaurants once in heathrow there was a restaurant called flight not sure if it's there anymore but really good food man well That's if it. his if his restaurant is still in, open in schaumburg i want to go over there and eat because i haven't no, ever... got one too now huh <laughs> yeah i i think so um by the way skylark uh talking about hitchcock movies north by northwest yeah. and real window two outstanding films yeah, yeah. And Hitchcock had this theme in a lot of his films where it was the protagonist was somebody falsely accused yeah, of something. And Cary Grant in yep. North, North by Northwest Jimmy was Stewart. suspected of uh, of killing somebody at the United Nations and then goes on the lam. And it's a really good movie. And Real Wendell mm-hmm. is Real Jimmy Wendell. Stewart yep. in, in uh, his apartment he's laid yep. up because he got a broken leg he's he sees with he's his a binoculars murder. a murder raymond burr <laughs> murdering someone <laughs> good uh, stuff uh, the birds um, always freaked me out too you know when i was a by kid. the way yeah the birds is fucking phenomenal yep. and, and yep. i have been saying this and i get destroyed when i every time i bring it up in social <laughs> media i really do believe it should be remade i know it's a hitchcock classic but with the special effects that they have now to see the birds attacking those school children yeah. coming out, to see the birds attacking those whole town and, and yep. basically setting it on fire, you know, it, it, that has to be done redone with the, today's special effects. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, it just has to. Yeah. Six, uh, I was six or seven. It scared the crap out of me. Oh no, man, birds! Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, you never, you'll never uh, go by seagulls and uh, yep. and you know not feel a little uncertain <laughs> about this little fucking thing is gonna attack me. 
By the way, uh, to, uh, uh, when you mentioned Gordon Ramsay, it reminded me that I recently binged a show that you uh, recommended to, to yep. the highest degree, and that is The Bear. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I haven't seen season two yet, but yeah, it's a Chicago oh. Italian beef restaurant. Like, I can't yes. go wrong. Well, yeah. let me let me tell yeah. you, season, season two, two is, is even better. I heard season two is just as good or better. Yeah. And yeah. basically, they take the characters, like you said, as an Italian beef sound, uh, stand. Yeah. That a, a a brother owned it. The older brother owned it, and when he passed away, committed suicide. I'm not giving yeah. much away. Um, he gave it to his yeah. son, who was a master chef in New York, yeah. and so he wants to come and try to save the business for the family and so forth, and to pay homage to his son. Yeah, well, what happened? Classically trained chef in a yes. Italian beef restaurant. Beautiful stuff in that, that first episode. Uh, he's uh, of season one. Uh, the yeah. uh, the chef in New York is telling him, "You're worthless piece of shit. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. I don't know why I put up with you." Well, what happens is this guy ends up being a great fucking chef. You know, yeah. and maybe it was this coaching method that that made him. It's yep. on Hulu, Doctor Truth. Uh, yep, the Hulu. Bear. Now, yep. I, I'm not going to give too much away here, Doctor Truth. Oliver but Platt the, is in it too. Oliver, Oliver Platt. Platt plays the yeah. guy who is financing right. the the restaurant because it's possible the, the, mob connections. Yes, right? exactly, exactly. But yeah. and he's a strict businessman. He basically yep. says, "Listen." We made an agreement. If you don't make X amount of dollars by yeah. X amount of time, I don't want to take the business away from you, but I will take it away from you. <laughs> his cousin, his cousin Richie, right? Is that his? Yes, his cousin that, Richie. That actor is fantastic. Yes. Oh that my actor. gosh. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? He, he was in. Uh, I don't know the actor's name, but he was in that uh, movie. What is that? The movie, uh, The Last of Us. He was in the series yeah. on HBO, The Last, Last of Us. Right. Yeah. yeah, he's right. killer. He was in uh, one of the seasons of Girls on HBO. I don't know if you saw the Lena uh, Lena Dunham show. It's, yeah, it's so, so. He's such a dick in the bear, though. Oh my god! <laughs> never well, I, do well, fuck up. You know. I, I, I gotta tell you that that season one was a little difficult for me. Those first few episodes, because there's so much going on volatility. Yeah. You know, people screaming at each other. I was getting agitated by all yeah, of that, but... and so after like episode three or four, I said, "I'm gonna give it a rest." I'm glad I went back because by the time it hit, the, there's eight episodes in season one. By yeah. the time it hit uh, episode eight, I was fucking in tears. I was like, yeah. man, this is fucking awesome. And I'm not going to give away too much about season two, Tooch. Yeah, but, I have a the, you know, yeah. Tony McGuire in it too? Uh, no. Uh, season two, the, the restaurant is now changed. They renovated into a high-class restaurant. And oh, so wow. that's okay. yeah. So that's the premise. Is this thing gonna succeed? Yeah. Uh, so it, I think you'll love it. it it's a he, he it's Sunday a dramedy, uh, Ravi. It's dramedy, a dramedy. Yeah. yeah. He, they have, they would have Sunday dinner every time, right? That someone would yeah. cook cook mm -hmm. like a family meal for them for the whole staff. Yes. Every Sunday. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it is it a, who who's the there's a, someone like a, is it Elijah Wood that's in this one or? Season two, the new cast member is, um, yeah, J2K. It's also a love story in season two, definitely. Yeah, even Moss Backrack, that's uh, who the actor is that plays cousin. They call it's the cousin Richie. Cousin. <laughs> yeah, it's cousin Richie. Yeah. He was also in the Punisher. Evan, Evan Moss Backrack. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he's an English out. actor. Is um, he British? Okay. The, yeah, uh, I, think, I think he is. Um, 
But Fucking, man, oh man, yeah, Aben Moss back rack. Yeah, I'm trying to think who who is in season two. I, I don't think they got a big name actor in season two that I can remember. Oliver Platt. Um, that's Joel it's, Joel McHale is in this. He movie. well, he was in episode one. He's the New York okay, chef. He's the was, chef, right? That's yeah, on him, right? Right. Um. There are a couple of new people who working at the restaurant, but not, oh, uh, are you talking about Alex Moffat, uh, who was on Saturday Night Live? Yeah. He was in Saturday Night Live, and uh, he's got a like a small role as one of the assistant chefs. But something he does something big towards the end of season two. Chicago guy. Yeah, that's right. That that is the cool thing about it. Too, Jamie Lee that, Curtis is in season two. Oh yes. Right, I remember and, that. Uh, Molly and Ringwald. A, uh, Molly Ringwald, yes. But Jamie Lee Curtis, getting back to her, hers is her performance is so courageous because she right. has had no plastic surgery whatsoever. And we're talking about there are shots of her like this close, and it's all wrinkles and stuff. But she's playing a, a mentally unstable the uh, mom to these guys and she puts it all That's out good. there what was the movie that you saw everything which way but loose uh, uh she's in that which, yeah it won it won last year's oscar everything which way but oh everything everywhere all at once there you go yeah. i'm talking about clint eastwood movie yeah <laughs> she won an oscar last year and i thought you know was that prosthetics that she's wearing to make her look old and pudgy no that's that's Jamie Lee Curtis nowadays. Yep. John she delivers Mulaney a great and Bob, Bob Odenkirk is in the season. Sarah Paulson. Yeah, there you go. Those are the big names. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I love John Mulaney in season two. He comes to the, uh, the family dinner on Christmas Eve and he goes, I'm so happy that you guys are here, uh, that you guys invited me this year. I know you all think I'm gay, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, I mean, Oden, the Odenkirks went to my high school with Bob, Bill. and Really? Yeah. Okay. Maria Odenkirk was in my grade, my graduating mm -hmm. class. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Bill was two years older than me, and Bob was four years older than me. Or Ooh, wow. three. Three or four years older than me. So Bob, Bill, and Maria, they all went to my high school in Naperville. They're all Naperville kids. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, Odenkirk is great in season two of The Bear. He plays Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend, and he's not at all reluctant to share his opinion about her kids and uh, <laughs> lots of lots of great stuff. By the way, if you saw The Walking Dead, the one guy who uh, was in Walking Dead, uh, you just had the credits of John Berthal. John Berthal. Is he in yeah. The Bear this year? Too? Yes. He's he, great. He, Yes, a uh, uh, great performance in, in one of the episodes. One of the episodes so, from season two is an hour long. All of them are like 30 minutes or so, 40 minutes. Uh, one of them was over an hour long. And in that episode, John Berthold should have won uh, an, an Emmy for that performance. So I have a movie with him in it for you to see. Okay. Recently, which I saw. Um, it's called, uh, what's it called? Um, Fear, I think it's called Furious. The, Hold on a second. John Bernthal. I saw him in a movie with The Rock. I'm on the freaking website, and it's like easier to, it's easier. Like, Punisher? Uh, no. Um, John Bernthal was in a movie with The Rock, where The Rock plays a guy who owns a trucking company, and his son gets arrested okay, for accepting some drugs via the U.S. mail. And so 
The Rock asked for John Bernthal's help in trying to bust the the, the drug pushers. What's so, the name again, of that one? Oh, uh, while you tell me about okay. uh, your movie, I will tell you about The Rock and John Bernthal. Uh, but Bernthal's in Baby Driver, too, which is one of my favorite. Oh, Baby yes. Baby Driver. And he's great in that movie. If you, have, if you haven't seen Baby Driver. Must. Uh, great soundtrack, too. One of the best mm -hmm. sound movie soundtracks of all time. This movie's called Pilgrimage. And uh, it's got Tom Holland, mm -hmm. uh, Richard Armitage, John Bernthal. And it's about um, the very first scene you see is like some dude getting stoned to death who apparently was a uh, disciple of Christ. And like, okay. I think there's an artifact. It's like a relic, holy relic. And it's been uh, stowed at this monastery in uh, Irish coast or uh, Scottish coast, somewhere in northern England or Ireland, and they've got to bring it to uh, escort it to Rome or France or somewhere. Anyways, uh, and John Bernthal's a mute brother at this, so him, him, and uh, Tom Holland's like a young novice, hmm. and there's a few other uh, John Lynch who you probably remember. He's like really dark eyebrows and stuff. He, they're the the brothers who are leading. They're supposed to bring it here, and people are trying to steal it, hmm. and. Uh, uh, they recognize John Bernthal, the mute, as being one of the uh, a crusader, you know, who uh, is like an awesome fighting dude. You have to see it. It takes place. You know, What's the name? No, it's called uh, It's called Pilgrimage. It's really good. It's okay. a fast watch. Uh, 13th century Ireland, a group of monks must escort a sacred relic, relic across a landscape fraught with peril. It's got a great cast. Really good. Uh and uh, you know <laughs> the the whole thing where the mute doesn't he does he just wants to escape you know it's like you know people keep effing with him you know it's like poke the bear mm -hmm. you know Fafo you know and and uh, you know he 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 loves the boy you know he's kind of like um he doesn't talk but he protects the boy Tom Holland Tom Holland's like you know he's trying to protect this relic you know no matter what he's a is true... this the Tom Holland from the Spider Man movies yeah. mm -hmm. oh wow okay. Because this is, I don't know, 2017, so he wasn't as big okay. uh, as as uh, as uh, he is today, you know. Big, He's a good actor. Bigger actor today, you know. But Yeah, for sure. Really good. Good movie. That movie with John Bernthal and um, and The Rock is called The Snitch. The, the uh, Snitch, yeah. Someone, yes. had, someone had it in the chat. Yeah. That must be uh, a while. Uh, you know what? It, it came back. out in 2013. Uh, mm. I saw it because... Mm. In 2013, I took my daughter and I, uh, to down to Orlando, and I told her, "Why don't you bring one of your high school friends?" Well, so we get over to uh, uh, Disney Village, and they were like, "You know, Dad, can we go on our own and take a look at the clubs?" And so I wanted to be the cool dad and say, "Yeah, go ahead. I'll meet you in two two and a half hours at blah blah blah." And so I got two and a half hours to kill. So I, I went over to the movie theater at Disney Village and The Stitch was playing. And I said, I don't know anything at all about this movie. I, but that's the only thing that's playing at this time. So I paid my money, sat down. And when the credits came up and I saw The Rock, I was like, what the fuck am I seeing? I've never seen a Rock <laughs> movie before. I've never wanted to see a Rock movie before. But I was into it, man. It yeah. was really well done. Uh, it, those uh, what are Fast and Furious movies with him are great, too. Hobbs, mm -hmm. Hobbs and Shaw, all that stuff. Yeah. Guess yeah, what? I'm like, watching an interview. Uh, uh, Stephen Colbert is interviewing Christopher Nolan of How Oppenheimer. Oh, that's great! Yeah, and he is. Uh, you know, uh, Colbert makes a joke about the Fast and Furious movies, and uh, uh, Christopher Nolan interrupts and says, "I love them. 
I, I've, I've watched too. every one of one, so the so franchise. <laughs> and Col Colbert is like, really? You? And he goes, yeah, it's a great story arc the, and great action. I watch it just for the stunts, man. How the hell do they do all the car stunts? Yes. You know? That's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, Bernthal's been in a ton. Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Fury, which was a great movie. Sicario. Uh, fucking Wind River. That was a great. You ever see Wind River? Never. Oh, dude. Wind River is awesome. That's uh, Jeremy Renner and uh, was it Elizabeth Olsen and John oh, Bernthal. Great actors, right? Yeah, it's a uh, uh, and and uh, God, Graham Greene, who's like a Native American actor, takes place. Yeah, in North I, I remember him. Uh, Wyoming, and uh, yeah. she's an FBI agent. She goes out to investigate this murder, and she's like, mm -hmm. she's like twenty something, and, and she, you know, it's young FBI agent, and it's like, she's way over her head. And uh, uh, Jeremy Renner's like the local tracker, you know, wildlife dude, former cop, who like kind of uh, takes her, uh, takes her on, you know, like looks out for her during this whole thing, man. And John Bernthal's uh, at the center of the mystery, you know, mm -hmm. but a great movie. When it has one of the best gunfights I've seen in recent memory. The, the, oh, cool. You know, just like, uh, you know, when a, when a movie has a great gunfight, you know, like 48 Hours was one of them. Oh yeah, you know Nick Nolte and and uh, the beginning of the movie with uh, James Remar and oh is that what guy's name? God, the big Indian dude. I forget his <sighs> name. The actor. Uh, but yeah, that great gunfight in that one. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly finale. You know, gunfight. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, By the way, we're, you and I are getting great reviews according to Doctor Truth. Five star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I, I've taken a couple of those uh, chat room comments to heart you know yeah i'm Those glad you're getting them i'm glad people appreciating the hard work that you put in a dude and... was in sean sean higgs's show like when's when's bear their souls coming back i know i saw I that like, one on great wow. Gabriel show yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep uh yeah. glad you guys are enjoying what we're doing it, oh, let's wrap things seen, up here in the next 10 minutes uh, if you Peach. haven't seen wind river go watch it i got it written down yeah. absolutely that and pilgrimage and a couple pilgrimage. of other ones Pilgrimage yeah. is great. Recently, I've been watching those on, God, what's that? Pluto. You know, sometimes I'll turn on Pluto. It's free. And it's yeah. just, there's commercials and stuff, but there's a bunch of different channels. And I'll just like, all right, Wind River's on. I'm going to lay out. If I fall asleep, I fucking fall asleep. Yeah, right. The same right. with Pilgrimage was on there, too. And I'll watch it and stuff. Mm. You know, Have you heard of uh, Southland Trails, uh, Tales, uh, according to J2K? It's, it's directed by the same guy that did Donnie Darko. That has uh, The Rock in it. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's another and one I got to So I have a Southland Tales story. The Southland yeah. Tales, I, I was going, I want to. I really want to watch this movie. It sounds really awesome. Rocks in it. And I, I fired up Southbound, which is a completely different movie. Uh -huh. It was also was pretty good. You know, mm -hmm. you'll have to watch it. It's like, uh, it's like short stories, I guess, like Southland Tales. It's called, I haven't still haven't seen Southland Tales, but I did see Southbound. Which was actually pretty good, <laughs> which I thought was the movie I wanted to watch. But well, let's I definitely put that Southland, on the list so. of things <laughs> to watch. What about do you do you and your wife sit down and watch any of the uh, dating reality shows like The Bachelor or, or Love Is Blind? You know, my wife's not really into this. She likes she likes Hell's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and then let the let the uh, is it cake. Okay. Lo she, she loves the British it? baking show. You guys British, ever seen she that? She likes that one, but with the kids. Was, we oh, watch, we okay. Watch it with the girls because they like watching the little kids fuck up 
Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> the little kids are hilarious. They're like, oh, no. You know, <laughs> That's they, a good they fuck family up one. Cake and stuff. For sure. But is It Cake is great. It's got that dude from Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Mikey Day. Mikey Day. Yeah, Mikey Day. He's a current <laughs> cast member. And he hosts, yes, he's, he's the good. host. Yeah. And these people do like cakes that look like real shit. And then you have to try and find which one's the cake. You know, oh, you wow. Prizes and stuff. They spend like the whole show like making this cake. Then it comes out and you're like, God damn it, which one's the fucking cake? You know, you, you, you <laughs> view it from like 20 or 30 feet away. So it's hard to tell. Okay. You know, and then, and then, uh, Mikey Day, he'll have on like other cast members from Saturday Night Live come out and try oh, to, cool. to be the judge. So it's, it's funny as hell, man. They, What's the name of that one again? Is it Cake? It's on Netflix. Is that's like Donna would probably like that too. My wife. Well, I bet she will. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Donna and I have been watching the the Bachelor this season. It's okay. Love is Blind is a show we like to watch. That's on Netflix. I heard that was good. Yeah, it, the premise is really simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they got these eligible men and women who claim that they want to get married and find their soulmate, and so the experiment that they put them through is that they have conversations in these pods. So you're talking to somebody of the opposite sex that you don't know, you can't see. And so you're just getting to know them. And so you start to build this emotional bond. And if you feel like you've grown so close, ask that person to to get married. And if that person accepts, then you go through a trial period where you go on a honeymoon to see if sex works. And then you live together. For, for three weeks and then after I would, that I think you my have wife would like this yeah and then after that you have a wedding and you make that decision whether you're going to really accept the marriage proposal or not and so it's it's pretty good there's like nine ten episodes in every season and it's become so successful that they've started to do them in different countries like they've got uh uh, Bra- Love is Blind Brazil, Love is Blind Sweden, Love is Blind Japan. So and, USA? Uh, uh, four seasons. It was started here in the USA. Four seasons of, of uh, Love is Blind USA. So I think my wife was talking about this. She probably would like it. I think, I think most women do. Uh, and I get into it just because there's so many hot chicks. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll watch it with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and Donna should watch Outlander, man. If you yeah, have, we will. If we you will. have, have you seen Last Kingdom? No, but I've heard of that one. That That's was on really Showtime. Fun. If I you like say, Vikings, yeah. like I, I watch Vikings. You know, every season of Vikings, that was great. Yeah, right. and then I was like, man, I kind of want to watch Vikings again. But Last Kingdom is just as good, man. It was like someone. Yeah, my daughter, my daughter will Kingdom. love these shows. Yeah, yeah, um, and then I went from Last Kingdom to Outlander. And that, mm-hmm. my wife and I binged Outlander like five seasons. Just really? Oh, well, it was fast. I mean, you uh, but they're hour episodes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, 50 minutes, I think. 55 okay. minutes, yeah. But I mean, like I said, every episode's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, God damn it, I got to find out what happened. How are they going to get out of this one? You know, whatever, you know. <laughs> That's great, man. It's, it's so good. And you get little historic, you know, history lessons while you're doing it and stuff, you know, while you're watching it. So, oh, okay. Cool. That's good, man. You ever seen Good Eats? Uh, Cliff Victoria love Good Eats. I love Alton Brown, man. I've I never heard of him. He did a, another show too, which was what uh, he was. Uh, what was that one? Damn it! It was started out in Japan first. It was uh, uh-huh. God damn, what's that show that? Uh, I have never heard of the guy Alton Brown. So he's just something kind of a chef guy. Like Kitchen Stadium. It's like it takes place in Kitchen Stadium. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, the Battle of Cut. Chefs. Or, like, Iron, kitchen. Iron Chef. Iron Chef. Okay. Iron Chef. I, I used to watch those Iron Chef Japan ones. The Japanese. They were so funny, man. It's like dubbed into English. It's like a, <laughs> cool. it's like a, it's like a karate movie, martial arts movie. Mm-hmm. So, and then they, they went to America, and uh, Alton Brown and Mark Dacascos took over the two roles as the host and the the mm-hmm. uh, the, the chairman. You know, the guy who sponsors this imaginary cooking contest. <laughs> I have never heard of this. Guy. <laughs> Grandma's Boy is a great movie. Yeah, two thousand four, uh, Iron Chef America. <coughs> yeah, Alton Brown, he's awesome. Good, good eats yeah. is classic. It's like teaching. It's like uh, what is that? Cooking for dummies. Mm-hmm. He's a whole show is great. It's like you get behind the science of cooking and why you should do stuff. It's like cooking school. It's great. Good eats. It's funny too. It would like sketch comedy in there with like, like neighbors and relatives would come in there. Sometimes they were just like. They're like actors and stuff who were funny as hell, you know. And it was part of the mm-hmm. lesson, the cooking lesson. Sometimes he had puppets, you oh, know, cool. and props and stuff. It was great. There's a lot of prop comedy and stuff in it. Uh, good eats, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, uh, Cliff uh, agrees with you. Yeah, sounds funny. I've never heard of Alton Brown before, but now I'm going to be on the lookout. He's great, for very Alton dry Brown. sense of humor, Alton Brown. Yeah. This is why I miss my Entertainment Weekly magazine. You know, know. that's how I kept up with pop culture, you know, stuff that I normally don't watch. You know, it was either recommended. I did too. And I would give it a shot. When we were doing the show, I used to tell you what was coming up in the magazine all the time because I would Mm -hmm. do the magazine. Yes, exactly. I remember. And uh, I, uh, in the uh, downstairs uh, washroom, I've got inside the cabinet three or four entertainment back issues of entertainment weekly i've got yeah. probably another 100 or 200 yep. in my office upstairs and so every once in a while i'll pull out one of these old uh uh entertainment weekly magazines and get refreshed on stuff that came out during that era and i, I just love that magazine and the reason it came to mind was because today i was taking a nice long shit and <laughs> browsing through <laughs> the entertainment weekly and i say i said to myself man i missed this magazine yeah. Yeah, it's not the same. It it being online, you you want yeah, that magazine in your hand. Yep. You want you, you look forward to it arriving in the mailbox. You know, do do, do kids nowadays? You know, you you and I look forward to getting the mail because there might be something in it for us. I don't think kids nowadays oh, yeah. think that way. You know, they probably think it's a college tuition bill or something like that, yep. and, the, and want to avoid the the mailbox. I'm trying to did find you ever, one. Do you ever have a pen pal? Yeah, I married my pen pal, my wife. Really? Yeah. Look at that. Yep. I, that is wild. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's how Mida and I went. We were pen pals. That is wild. That is wild. Then well, I brought, brought her here some on of those letters with us. K1 visa. Mm-hmm. K1 fiance visa. Then that was at 90 day fiance. They must have like, they scour the like uh, court case things yeah yeah court dockets because they emailed me and said hey do you want you and mita want to be on 90 day fiance that's right i was like yeah but you know yeah i don't think we had enough time you know Mm -hmm. i was like i'm flying to england for my wife's interview with the at the embassy wow that would have been awesome if you would have been on that show i met barelissimo there too what we were doing that that is wild we were uh we had a flight, you know, to America after she got the visa, but the visa was 24 hours late. So to cancel my flight, rebook another one. And Barrelissimo was helping us pack up all Midas stuff. 
he drove us uh to shipping we shipped a bunch of uh suitcases and boxes back yeah and uh me and me and Berlissimo went uh my, my wife was packing stuff he took me around his hometown and stuff yeah it was great did a nice tour of tamworth which was if you watch the last kingdom it was the wasn't london it was tamworth where george lives mm-hmm. and uh, uh that was the capital of uh the british you know, empire during last kingdom mm. i went to tamworth castle with him and stuff and how how was it that you met Berlissimo there? Was it by chance? There was a, a Bear Down UK Facebook page. Oh, and I wow. was just like, oh, okay, I started. Li- and I don't know how I found it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, when I was, co- I would like, I would just jump in the comments and stuff. Berlissimo was like, okay, real U.S. Bears fan. Me and him talked offline and stuff. He said you should check out Bear uh, One Hundred Proof. It's a bear show. It's really salty mm-hmm. though. He, he called it. He called the show salty. <laughs> I, I started listening and i was like oh phage phil shane and aldo really funny look at you know, that I was like, then i started writing articles for aldo that's right for the website great, great stuff man and then uh you know so this is six years later now folks yeah you know how about now, that now i'm doing uh bear state of affairs with danny and, and aldo oh winning stuff man says that the three of us are the best uh since or better than 100 proof well you know i i don't want to you know uh those were great times. I would laugh my ass off. Yeah, we did some great, great work. I used to do the. I used to do the audio when it was just audio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, oh my god! It wasn't god. video. Yes. It wasn't video yet. We didn't. Have, yep. we, were, we were doing just audio. I used to. I used to throw together the intros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, le- you just legendary, fabulous, yeah. fabulous work. Legendary uh, uh, yep. audio. Those, those are fun times, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, all right, that's a great way to end the show by throwing yep. some uh, kudos to our former partners here at the Barroom Network. Yeah. Uh, again, Johnny Santucci has these prop bets for you oh, to yeah. deliver on, but you should watch weekend sports betting tips yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow at 7 p.m. And prior to that, it will be the Sean's Willis Twin got Towers. Some props hold tomorrow. on, hold on. <laughs> Willis Twin Towers uh, podcast is prior to weekend yep. sports betting tips. Now go ahead, Tooch. Now you jump in. Yep, uh, Sean uh, has got some killer prop bets that he's uh, on to. You know, he'll probably have stuff from Warren Sharp, who Aldo uh, quote tweeted today mm-hmm. with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Sean and Warren Sharp are friends. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, Anthony will give in his thoughts on the game, how he, uh, how the line has moved. You know, from Chiefs and Sean will talk about line movement in this game too. Love we'll talk it. Talk about the total prop plays, the line. You know, uh, all sorts of stuff like that, you guys. So tune in tomorrow night. I mean, it's if you're going to wager on the game, you might as well give it a listen. Well, it's not just that. Even if you're not a big gambling guy, just yeah. listen to how that industry, the sports gaming industry, works from these experts. It's really fascinating. Good stuff. Yeah. And then, but I want to I want to go over your prop bets real quick. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong on yeah. anything. Butker 1.5 over on field goals. Correct. Yep. Yes. Over uh, over one and a half field goals made. Right. And then you got Christian McCaffrey over 18 carries, right? Over 18 and a half. Yep. 18 and a half. So it's got to get 19. I love these next two, Brock Purdy and Mahomes, the over on what they have them rushing. They got Brock Purdy at 12.5 and Mahomes at 25. 25 and a half, I think. 25 and a half. Mahomes is 25 and a half. Yep. And Kittle is uh, over 47 and a half receiving yards. I mean, I like uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk under. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I did. But, but let's put me in the stocks in the castle. 
Oh, <laughs> wait a minute, Bellissimo. Yeah, we got you got to be on next week's show uh, and tell us what I'm you trying. did to the Tooch. <laughs> I, I wanted to do a show. Uh, uh, well, I figured we got, everyone was on hiatus, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I contacted Bearlissimo to do a, a free agency draft Bears offseason show with me and him and Jordan Silvera. So I think we're trying mm-hmm. to put that together for Barroom. We just have to find something, time that works uh, with Bearlissimo. He's got a lot going on, and he's six, seven hours ahead of us. Yep. So uh, uh, we're trying to. And, and Bear, Bear so that would make him like nine hours ahead of Jordan. <laughs> yeah, nine hours know. ahead of Jordan. Yep. I mean, Bearlissimo was on guys that became stars. Oh yeah, you know, uh, Cooper Cup was his favorite kid coming out, wide receiver coming out of the draft one year, and I was like, Cooper Cup, who the hell is this, yeah, Eastern Washington? You know, but he was right. You know, I uh, forgot he's he's picked a bunch of other players for the Bears. He he loved Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. He thought he was he would have picked Chris Jones in the first round, and you'll mm-hmm. see Chris Jones playing uh, on Sunday for the Chiefs. And just mm-hmm. a monster in the middle there on that defensive line. A, a, uh, a difference maker. He loved Chris Jones, wanted the Bears to take Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he's countless others. I mean, if we do the show, I'll ask him about all the ones that he's, you know, I can verify he's talked about it with me in texts and chats about, like, this guy, this guy's guy. He's, he's uh, been right on a lot of players. So, and then Jordan, of course, you know, Jordan Silvera has a ton of knowledge and draft, watches a ton of college football. I have a ton of notes. And stuff. I also have been I look, been looking at draft this year, of course, because it's such a, you know, it's a, a decision gate. Although, ah, <laughs> right? Exactly. I, I love it. <laughs> Great crap. <laughs> it really is decision gate. <laughs> decision gate. I'll have more on decision gate next week. You know, just because I have a ton of notes. I, you know, I'll put them. I have. I have. I want to do uh, one next week with uh, just why the Bears have failed in the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, and all the all the picks. Oh, good. For the last fifteen years, what everywhere they, every you know they haven't had a lot of first round picks, and the ones that they have picked haven't have not worked out. There's been very few that have. Yeah. So that'll very show true. you why we are where we are. Yeah. Well, one of those draft picks worked out uh, over fifteen years ago. The Devin Hester draft yep. pick that was made by Greg Gabriel and and uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry Angelo, Angelo, who will be together once again on Gabriel it. Talks Football either Monday or Tuesday. We're waiting for Jerry to give us which day is best for him, and so he's oh, not going to take any questions. That. Yeah, unfortunately, Jerry's not going to take any questions, but we'll still have about twenty minutes to you know ask him a lot about you know process. A lot about how to build together a team. I actually started doing some research on on Jerry Angelo. And one of the things, too, that I think you'll find interesting is he said, and I don't know if he was taking a shot at the Bears because he gave this interview to Dan Pompey after he was uh, released by the Bears. But he says one of the things that NFL organizations often do wrong is that they change their culture based on who they hire as coach. It is the general manager's job. To uh, and the people above him to set the culture, but primarily the general manager yeah. set the culture for the football team, and then you hire people who agree with that culture and then execute that culture. I thought this is brilliant. This is the way it should be. You shouldn't hire a uh, a guy who thinks totally opposite as your head coach about how you want to build a football team. Uh, and Jerry Angelo, uh, we'll, we'll be talking to him about that, and that's early next week. Tomorrow it'll be Tuch on the weekend sports betting tips. You so had they, a thought? They did make it the three. Oh, they did, huh? Yeah. 
Look Congrats, at that. All three of them made it. Oh. Uh, one, one hour ago, breaking news. That is great news. Devin great Hester. news. So uh, I'm sure you'll talk about that on the show, Weekend Sports Sporting Tips, and then the Willis yep. Twin Towers. We'll be talking about that at 5.50 when they begin their show. And immediately when that's over, that's when Tooch and the gang come in uh, and right. talk more great sports. Tooch, you are the absolute best. Another great Bears uh, state of affairs today. <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, you look... know, We don't deserve Justin Fields, Aldo. <laughs> I love you that. Know, the, chat, the chat room, you know, it's, it's complete evidence. You know, they're like Tyson yep. Bajit would have won. 10, we'd be 10 and 7. You know, we deserve yeah. Tyson Beige. We deserve a lovable backup that may or may not be better than the starter, like all the other backups that we've loved, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I've thought about that for a few weeks now, and I've been just like fed up with the Caleb Williams, Justin Fields. I don't care. Uh, I'm going to root for, just like Dan Aguirre said, I'm going to root for whoever's the Bears quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And hopefully it'll be Justin. Give him another year, guys. And yep. um, if it doesn't happen, if fuck it, man. Caleb Williams, you're not getting the hall of draft picks. Just exactly. FYI. So that, that's my point. If So if Jalen doesn't work out in year four, at least you've acquired hopefully three starters, quality starters with what you're going to get back huh. by trading that number one. You should get – half a dozen quality stars. You can have a great football team and you can then maybe pick a Mr. Evelyn. Who knows? Maybe Tyson Bajant will be yeah. leading us to the Super Bowl in 2025. Why not? Yep. Could happen. All right. You are the man, Johnny Santucci. Talk to you later, Let's brother. Go I'm going to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Pictures, please. <laughs>